It's Friday, November 4th, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior! America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by. This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on- and off-duty gear. Hot melted plastic made just for you. Need something custom? They got you covered. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family cranking out big, big savings down at MyPillow. Cow bed sheets, my dog beds, my slippers, the Airlandells version 1 and 2, and of course, the MyPillows. Can't forget Giza Dream Everything. Enter promo code STEAK at checkout. You're going to get big, big savings. For more of a morning person, they've launched My Coffee. 25% off when you enter promo code stake, 50% off when you add a monthly subscription of the coffee. MyPillow.com forward slash stake for anything sleep related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash stake. Or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced new studio recording equipment can be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, want to rule the world? Oh! Get those ear needs taken care of and done upright. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Our good friend Alan has launched the Patriot Cigar Company. They are some premium tobacco leaves from the fields of Nicaragua, right next to where Mike Lindell picks his coffee beans. They are an amazing smoke. Noah loves them. And you've got to get in here and a promo code to take it. Check out. You're going to get 15% off your total order. Any order over $100 is going to be free shipping and a $10 e-gift card for every purchase mypatriotcigars.com a premium smoke for freedom loving patriots mike down at west coast survival arms has been servicing southern california for over a decade he's a licensed ffl if you're into the tradesies and don't live in canada he's got a five-star rating his newly redesigned easy to use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com he's on facebook messenger and via the telephone 619-870-6992 take for breakfast backs the blue we love our first responders and they're always working hard while they're off duty they're probably wearing gear from mediocre medic Sweatshirts, t-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the job. Plus, they've got a pretty fire IG. Mediocremedic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair. Of the zero fuck stuff. Still don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Dumpbox.us. Find him on Instagram. Find him on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast or on the website at SteakForBreakfastPodcast.com. There you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram channel, and more. 
On that note, and to all our friends joining us today on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified accounts on Getter and True Social. Welcome, Friday edition, Steak for Breakfast podcast. Last show before our midterm election special show as well. Episode 184. I'm Roan. Noah's out of the office today. Whether or not he calls in is completely up to him, and uh, we'll see how that goes. And we're going to have Antoinette with us in a little bit. Guys, huge show today. We've got so much going on. We're going to have six Trump-endorsed America First candidates in here. We've got a ton of news. Let's jump right into it. Think that the party in power would receive the criticism if things aren't exactly going well, but it appears that has not been the case. A new media research center study of ABC, CBS, and NBC's nightly newscasts reveal that Republicans are receiving much more negative coverage than Democrats ahead of Tuesday's vote. 87% to 67%. Here's just a small taste. If Republicans win control of one or both houses of Congress, they will do everything in their power to sabotage the economy. Political oh. violence has always existed on all sides of the political spectrum, but today's political climate is making it much worse, and it is a uniquely right-wing problem right now. This is a contest oh. between part of the country that believes in continued and expanded liberal democracy, uh, an effort to pursue a more perfect union, and a part of the country that is now attracted to the idea of fascism. Oh. Kaylee. So not only is the tenor negative, but the study has shown as well that the topics reflect differently than what we've been discussing Americans care about, right? With, with coverage far more outweighing on those networks, election deniers and threats to democracy versus inflation, crime, things that voters care about. It's both. Yeah, Media Research Center did this study. I'm so thankful for them because they are, are able to quantify the, the, uh, the what we know is a bias. So they quantify it. They do a great job. But what is interesting are the subtleties we don't catch. So like, for instance, Tudor Dixon running in Michigan, great mm -hmm. candidate. You know, her opponent, Gretchen Whitmer, calls her the biggest threat to democracy. Not true. But what's interesting is the Associated Press, their subtle description of Tudor Dixon is the far-right commentator. That's how what is supposed to be a wire publication describes her. Um, you look at Stacey Abrams when she said the lie about there's no heartbeat before six weeks. What happened? Well, Twitter, when she trends, we know they curate those trends. This is pre-Elon. The description of why she's trending is doctors agree a heartbeat doesn't exist. Reports from NBC and NPR confirm. We know that science says otherwise. My point is these subtleties where there's this cabal of media, social media, that in locks step just lines up behind Stacey Abrams, Gretchen Whitmer, and every other Democrat. And it's subtle, but it's noticeable if you look for it. That's right. And Harris, going back to that sort of overlay. So four years ago, it was 88% negative coverage, not only of Republican candidates, but also then President Trump. Mm -hmm. Why is it that a different party is in power, and yet the negative coverage of the GOP is at 87%, nearly identical? Why doesn't the mainstream media have any objectivity, or at least try to have some objectivity? Well, it may speak to the issue why the president and his team are not the only people who don't cover the issues that people care about. I mean, look how long it took some of these other networks to even start to cover where we are in inflation mm. and the crisis at the border. It wasn't until we saw 15,000 people under a bridge, the Haitians who'd come through, mm. before the administration started to really pay attention and then the complicit media started to pay attention. And what are they complicit? it in not giving the American public the whole truth like I, I expect that actually from members of the media I, I don't know if politicians necessarily feel beholden to do that but we should so you know to me at the end of the day 
when the question is asked, who do you believe? This is why people don't often pick us. They don't pick us as journalists just across the board. They lump us all together because they feel like they're not being told the truth. And it's really detrimental, really, what what jeopardizes democracy is when the people who are protected by the Constitution decide not to tell it. Mm. Pretty interesting there. Mm -hmm. Welcome to the show. Programming notes. What do we got? This Saturday, we're going to be skipping our great steak breakfast. We are going to be out of the office and uh, in pre-production for our big live show. Um, you will not get your standard afternoon upload of pre-recorded steak for breakfast on Tuesday, November 8th. We'll be doing a live show that evening. We're going to be kicking off at, let's see, 8.30 Eastern, 5.30 Pacific. Already got a slate of great guests coming in there. Mike Crispy, Cash Patel. Erica Knight, Christina Bob, Jer Majewski. I'm sure we'll have some more just like today's show. We've got a great slate of guests coming up for you all as well. Six Trump-endorsed America First candidates will be coming in with their last-minute messaging uh, here in the primary season if they can get the messaging out there. Um, as you can hear in that Fox News clip from The Five yesterday, you know, it's now being reported that up to, well, 87, close to 90% of all the media coverage of the Trump-endorsed America First candidates across the country running in governor's races, House seats, and Senate are getting negative press. Uh, people like Carrie Lake, believe it or not, is getting 100% negative press. <laughs> no matter where she goes, even if it's on, like, Fox News, the, the radical progressive left mainstream media – We'll just spin it and clip it and throw it out there as the garbage that they want everybody to try and ingest here before the midterms. Antoinette, yeah. we've been we've been tra mean, we've been tracking this stuff since day one. What do you think about hearing them kind of break it down that way? I mean, I'm not surprised. You know, it's going to get worse until the midterms, then and after. You know, God willing, we've got this red wave that we're anticipating. But I mean, when it comes to the negative press. I mean, that's all they have left at this point. And to be fair, like I've been paying attention and seeing people online commenting, Twitter, Instagram, people that were undecided, for example, are, are sick of it. They're voting red. They're flipping, you know, they see the biases and they see the bullshit and it's just waking people up in my opinion when it comes to the negative stuff, but it's true. I mean, do we expect them to say anything? unbiased <laughs> well you want to talk about the fake news narrative and, and the way they build it um you know carrie lake was hit up yesterday at a campaign event um and one of the things we're actually going to hear a really good receipt from a sitting senator in our midterm election roundup portion of news one um but here in the cold open so the dems have been running and stumping on a lot of their town halls and debates with republicans saying how not only was a certain amount of police officers injured on January 6th at the Capitol, some died from whatever happened at the Capitol on January 6th. Um, Liz Cheney, who went into Arizona to try and meddle in the elections there and wound up bringing over $500,000 worth of campaign donations into Cary Lake's, uh, you know, governor race there, um, has now teamed up to make a, well, it's a shit post video with... Uh, the officer who died after, uh, you know, the Capitol riot, uh, Brian Sicknick, his mom, and somebody tried to hit Carrie Lake up uh, and catch her off guard yesterday. Fortunately for us, she's just in a level all of her own right now. Let's hear her try to get ambushed and then throw it 
right back in their faces. I don't know if you've seen this ad attacking you. That's Wh the, which one? <laughs> which one? Which one, Chris? The, uh, the, the mother of Brian Signet, the Capitol Police officer that died uh, the day after January 6th. Oh. She, in, in an attack ad, is saying that people like you specifically are responsible for her son's death. I'm curious what you think when you hear that. What's her name? The mother of Brian Sicknick? Yeah. I think it's Cindy Sicknick. Cindy, I just want to say to Cindy Sicknick, I'm so sorry about the death of your son. It, it is tragic. I'm a, a mother myself, and that is, uh, it breaks my heart. That's a, that is a wound when you lose a child, no matter how old they are, that never heals. And so I don't want to disparage her. She doesn't know me. I wasn't anywhere near the Capitol on January 6th. And I understand that her son died, I think, the following day of a stroke or natural causes. And I, I feel for her, and I, I see the pain in her eyes. And I would never try to disparage or hurt her, because I know when a mother has pain like that, there's no way to heal that. And that's why I feel for these moms and dads who hit me up on the campaign trail, and they grab me. And you can spot them from across the room. There is a, a loss in their lives that can never be replaced, and we're losing thousands of young people. When they tell me they lost a son to fentanyl, when they lost a daughter to fentanyl poisoning. Um, this is why we are pushing so hard to secure that border and stop fentanyl from pouring across. I'm used to attack ads. I've had probably more money spent against me than any candidate in Arizona in attack ads. Fact check but true. the people know me here. They're not believing what they're seeing in the attack ads. I've been in their homes for 27 years. And additionally, besides attack ads, I've had 100% negative lying coverage by the fake news of me and my campaign and our people. And so we've withstood that. And we will win. And we're going to do great things for Arizona, despite what you guys say. I love it. She's untouchable. What do you think after that? Classy, the way she responded with facts, you know, and um, no, I mean, look at the difference between that side and our side, you know? Yeah, I mean, at this point, I'd just, if I was her, I'd just be pissed when they start hitting me with, I mean, I mean that is an absolute, that? yeah, that's an absolute trash narrative. Yeah, and, it's a lie, 100% uh, she, lie. She's just so far above it right now, mm -hmm. and uh, give it credit to her, probably President Trump and a portion of his team, and the team that she's put around herself to uh, run the race that she needed to run to be in the position that she's at, which is close to double digits in the polls. Yep. Um, and you know, it's just, you, you can't say enough about it. However, uh, I did see yesterday morning on the larger apparatus, Darren Beatty jumped on with, uh, Papa Steve and wanted to talk about just basically the charisma that is Carrie Lake. Let's hear it. Another advantage of genuine charisma and genuine connection with the population is that that gives the candidate leverage over the handler. The more the connection a politician yes. has with people, yes. the less leverage yes. and the less power the handlers yes. have. And so that's why they tend to gravitate to empty suits. We'll just read the policy paper because, again, anyone <laughs> can fake policy. You can't He's fake so charisma. Good. You can't fake a genuine connection with the people. And that's just as important to populism, nationalism yeah. than the it's policy itself. As the gods tell us, as the Greeks tell us, the gods give charisma to certain people. Um, Darren B. I like it. It's a good description of her. It's a good description of the narrative. You know, Darren Beatty's all things nationalist populism and uh, its re resurgence. It's 
you know, making America great again was was a catchphrase that has turned into a movement, and now it's looking to be something that really is a legitimate and majority portion of our government uh, after next Tuesday. And, uh, you know, bringing the things back that we, I guess, had to see and not, you know, have anymore uh, after Donald Trump left office. Like, it's literally that meme where the person is, like, holding the person's head back with their eyes all ripped open and, like, making them look at it. That's what we've had to experience now as, you know, a country for the last two years for us to finally come on board and and, and accept this is the way that it's going to be. Because uh, it's just been an absolute nightmare. And uh, these candidates are out there making people feel good about loving the country again. And I think a big portion of that we've we've gotten away from for a long time. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Uh, well, resident racist uh, on the View panel, Sonny Hostin, um, you know, she was bitching yesterday because a, a big poll came out that, that showed – Suburban white Republican women, a lot who presumably either didn't show out or voted Democrat in the 2020 election cycle, um, now by a nearly 40% margin are coming back to America first because of all the stuff that's going on in this country and the fact that the Democrats decided to make their children a centerpiece of uh, you know their campaigns in an attempt to absolutely tank the nation. When you talk about the CDC trying to mandate COVID vaccines as part of the regular schedule to attend public school. When you talk about masks literally still happening in some portions of the United States in school, um, the whole transgender infusion into the classroom, the sexualization of children at extremely young ages. And then a lot of school districts with support from the national teachers association and the teachers union to not be upfront about what's going on with their kids at school. Uh, I think that whole narrative, which started out in like, you know, viral videos of PTA meetings is now a big part of the kitchen table issues that are going to lead to the referendum at the ballot box next week. Like you couldn't have made it any worse. Let's throw the children into this dumpster fire. Mm-hmm. And, and that's literally where we're at right now. And and she, she is disgusted and, and, you know, Wait, wait till you hear this narrative she had as a messaging towards suburban white women who were coming back to MAGA. Um, I read a, a poll just yesterday that white Republican suburban women are now going to vote Republican. Why? It's almost like roaches voting for raid, oh. right? It's, it's, it's like that's they're that's voting, a, no, it's insulting they're voting for the against, voter. We, they're we, voting no, against no, no. their own self-interest. Do they want to live in Gilead? Okay, oh, so do we live in the hands? Do we love scale? democracy or not? Because oh. uh, just saying that it's it's insulting to the voter. People make up decisions on what's right for their family, and the idea that well, the you should have a say women, for everyone else's vote. The fact that women are voting against you their own You had a different view on abortion not that long ago, and you I have that view. But that issue is but then why, but then why is another woman but not I am very able to have a view? That white Republican suburban women but why are if voting you so recently evolved on the issue. Healthcare. Oh my gosh. No shit. White Republican suburban women are going to vote Republican. Rovember oh. was never going to be part of this midterm election. What do you think, Antoinette? Never? What what's that? Rovember. It it, it, it was so so stupid. To, yeah. th- to think that, I mean, when I saw how fake and staged 
the protesters looked both uh, in front of the Supreme Court and then outside some of the justices' houses for a couple days following. I, I really, I just didn't see any realness to it. It seemed like it was a lot of younger people, neck beards, long hair. It's like they went to the college campuses and said, hey, you want to go protest in front of a Supreme Court judge's house for a couple hours? We'll pay you 50 bucks. And, mm-hmm. and, I, and I really feel like, you know, that was uh, something that just never resonated. And they tried to get some videos of it and they tried to make it a centerpiece. And, you know, people just really don't care. I, I, I don't even think that could be a top 10 issue right now. No. Um, it, it may vary in some states, but I think nationally it's just not. Uh, because they've added things like going after the children to their slate of things that are wrong with this country right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just out of control where they're at. And uh, it, it, it's, it's not the main issue. People are worried about putting food on the table, um, filling up their gas tanks, how they're going to survive this winter and heat their homes. And I mean, it's ridiculous. No, it, it, it's the truth. I mean, who's done it better than making it a big part of his campaign messaging than the uh, the great granite stater, General Don Bulldog, you know, what's the difference? It's the difference between heating and eating now. Like he said mm-hmm. it so many times I've seen Caroline Levitt use it in her debate and other people across the country, uh, especially the American first candidates going out there and using that same, it's, it's, it's a real issue. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's absolutely out of control, you know, and it doesn't, it just doesn't stop. They're doubling down. So the polls showed MAGA candidates never being able to win like two months ago after the general, after the primaries were pretty much over. And then we got to all of the races tightening for some reason. Uh, I just think to pe- keep people's interest in there. And now all these polls are starting to come out. We're like four and a half days out from people going to the ballot box and they're showing like, oh yeah, the poll was within the margin of error or the Republican candidate was up one or two points last week. But now this week, based off a bunch of shit cross tabs in the polling data, the, the Democrat is now up 10 points. It's like, no, stop it. I mean, find a new way to energize your own base because we're already out there. Everybody knows the drill. Everybody knows what to do. And when you look at some of the turnout, I think it's going to be worse than even we can speculate as optimists for a red wave. Because when you look at uh, a lot of the urban turnout, uh, voting overall is down, but you have in some of the major cities, like just based off the 2020 presidential election, black voting is down near 40%. And uh, I'm not going to lie. That's not a demographic that shows out in major force on election day. So, you know, it's kind of just where we're at. Um, we, we are kind of sticking on this messaging thing. Fake news. Chris Hayes on MSDNC's his show all in. I put in parentheses for fake news. Uh, basically wearing with this message last night. I think you're going to love this jewel. A state in which Republicans never lose is a one party state by definition. And that's a problem. And we see this everywhere, right? We see this in Kerry Lake in Arizona. We see Doug Mastriano in Pennsylvania, up and down the ballot, secretary of state candidates, people running for Congress. And so the pitch from Democrats is basically, if you care about democracy, if you care about having this feedback mechanism in which the people you elect are accountable to them, to you, you've got no choice but to vote for us. And that on its face sounds almost anti-democratic itself to say you don't have a choice. You want to say racist. But it also happens to be true. In Wisconsin, voters might go to the polls 
and over 50 percent of them might vote for the Democrats. And Republicans could win a supermajority in both houses in that state. They might even elect Tony Evers as their governor. And that supermajority could override whatever Tony Evers says. That's what Michaels is getting at. Much of the Republican Party, the dominant faction within it, run by Donald Trump, the guy who tried the coup, the first ever in American history, oh. that faction in that party is fundamentally opposed to democracy. Oh. It's plain as day. Oh. You could read it on oh. the faces of the cops on the steps of the Capitol as they were getting their heads bashed in. Oh. That faction wants to wield the power of the state through a number of means to insulate themselves from free and fair elections and in-state one-party rule, whether it's through gerrymandering or voter suppression or simply installing party loyalists in key positions who do things like don't certify elections that don't go their way. And so when Democrats say you don't have a choice this election, that there's only one party that cares about for democracy, it's us, democracy is on the ballot, what they're really saying is if you don't elect us this time, if you don't keep them out of power, you may never be able to elect us again. Or in short, vote to preserve your right to throw the bums out. Oh, boy. What's the bums? The bums. These people, they're just like... So, just, oh. so he started that piece. His, the the, the uh, green screen behind him was a teleprompter of the Capitol on January 6th. And as he was talking, it was like a montage of different Donald Trump pictures. And then it went back to the Capitol at the end. Like the subliminal messages that they are cranking out to these boomers so and these old people. It's ridiculous. The completely politically uneducated. It's very sad. and it's so, desperate. Uh, so desperate. It's unbelievable. And it's great because I... It, Ugh, like I, I grovel in it. I love it. No, I mean, terrified. He's got to be one of the people on the chopping blocks for the, uh, for the next round of firings after the midterms, because he is like, he is like at the forefront of fake news. Speaking of which, I don't know if you saw, Shepard Smith was fired today. Uh, from his position at whatever he was doing on some fake news channel, and then Jake <laughs> Tapper, who nobody could stomach anyways, uh, he was demoted over at fake news CNN. So the, the the list keeps going on and on of the people who have, you know, made Donald Trump and America first life miserable for the last almost seven years now uh, are, are going to be so far out of the, uh, you know, forefront of being able to provide fake news. I think the only place we'll have to worry about them is competing with them in podcast numbers in a, in a few months here, because uh, they're just getting rid of them. Uh, you know, you saw 55% of Twitter was laid off today. Was it? Yeah. And Elon, oh. Elon Musk said all of their extra servers and special features that cater to the rich and wealthy, he he called it bullshit and is getting rid of it. And now you're going to be able to get verified on that platform for $8, regardless of your social status. All the blue checks are so, tripping the fuck out. They're so mad about it. Can't wait to get ours. So, oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's, I mean, oh, these people, it's too funny, though. Just, they're all going mad. <laughs> yeah, raids, raids like going to the roaches and, you know, it's just yeah. the messaging has gone off the rails. And just wait for this weekend. We've got one more Sunday morning news circuit worth of like they're going to be reading nuclear meltdown uh, warnings. And I, I just can't wait to see what bullshit narratives come out over this weekend. Um, something that we usually don't get in the sense of bullshit narratives is, is some of these amazing America First candidates that are going to be coming through this show today. And we're going to start off right now with uh, two back-to-back of some of our favorites.
All right, joining us first on the show today, he's the Trump-endorsed America First, U.S. House Republican nominee, Washington 3, coming back on for a last-minute campaign update. Mr. Joe Kent, thanks for coming back on the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure, sir. How's everything going on your end, and uh, how's it looking coming down the home stretch right here? You know, we're feeling uh, optimistic, cautiously optimistic. We're just going to keep pushing hard. We're doing multiple events per day. Uh, we're out knocking on doors. We're doing all the get-out-the-vote stuff that we need to do. Um, but we're feeling good. You know, we have a strong message. We're getting a lot of really strong turnout in the district. Like, people are fired up. The Democrats only want to talk about things that aren't affecting Americans' daily lives. They either want to go on some sort of a petty personal attack. They want to talk about abortion, but they will not address abortion. They want to address uh, inflation crime and they won't address what's happening to our kids in the school. So we're staying uh, on message and we're getting people to come over to our side, I think in really big numbers. So feeling good. No, we're feeling great about your campaign. We've been tracking. We've been looking at you guys release your, your poll numbers and, and just seeing the amount of people that are going out to your events. I think that says it more than anything. If you're putting out poll numbers, but then you're not out on the campaign trail, you're not letting these uh, constituents physically touch you, ask you questions, open up their hearts to you. Like you've built so many relationships over the last, you know, year or so there up in your district. And, uh, fought through some pretty hard battles. So uh, I think that says a lot for everything that's going on. And, and and like you said, in addition to all the stuff that's going on there, you could name any issue under the sun from inflation and the economy to crime and the southern border, geopolitics. One of the things that I saw last night was really interesting was your piece on Tucker Carlson. Uh, the kids is coming back into play. We see the Democrats starting to freak out that suburban mothers, a lot of ones who supposedly walked away from Donald Trump in the 2020 presidential election cycle, I still think that's up for debate, seem to be openly coming back now because of a lot of stuff that's being pushed on the children, the trans agenda, the hiding stuff from your parents agenda, uh, you know, the the National Teachers Union Mafia agenda. And you've hit hard and it seems like it's really resonated with the people up there in Washington 3. It has. And this isn't uh, something that, you know, I, I really drove a narrative on. I just went out and listened to people. Like you said, whenever I talk to parents, they are absolutely furious about what uh, what's happening in our schools, whether it is the sexualization of kids or now this gender, so-called gender affirming care, which is really just the trans ideology and potentially the introduction of pharmaceuticals to the kids, chemical castration, or even uh, gender changing surgeries before these kids are even 18 years old. This is being discussed in the schools openly and consistently. We also have the issue of biological males going into female spaces and competing against women in sports, competing against girls. I shouldn't even say women. These are, these yep. are women under the age of 18. And so this is just a very basic issue that really, I, I, I don't think should have a Republican handle by it or a Democrat handle by it. It's really just parents that want to protect their children. And this is bringing people over to our side. I think by the masses, because the Democrats are so radical and that piece on, uh, on Tucker last night, that really just explains it because there's no Democrat right now that's standing against these things. They all give an answer. Like my opponent does like, Oh, it's, nuance and maybe we need to let you know some of the biological men into women's locker rooms and maybe there's there's a time when we should provide you know, puberty blockers to minors like that's where the democrat party is right now and people see that it is fully exposed at every single level and so and this is why i think we're going to be successful uh, this cycle no, I definitely think you are. And listen, I have to get a receipt on it. It was probably one of, I, I laughed out loud. I had Christina Bob, who's an attorney for Save America, and Liz Harrington, the official spokeswoman for 45th president of the United States. We both know him well, Donald J. Trump, on our show uh, on Tuesday. The picture of you and Kevin McCarthy blew up Twitter. So listen, and, and we all <laughs> joked about it. For someone who... Uh, was extremely open about the way campaigns were run and meddled with throughout the course of the 2020 uh, or the 2022 midterm election cycle. No one messed with your campaign more than Kevin McCarthy. Joe, how was that meeting and uh, where do we go from here? 
You know, right after I uh, I won in the primary, my incumbent opponent conceded. I had Kevin McCarthy and pretty much everybody who we would probably consider to be an establishment Republican on the House side call me and say, hey, we're going to do everything we can to make sure that we hold this seat. We're behind you fully now. Um, yeah, they spent 12 million, 12 million bucks, <laughs> I think, at least against me. Um, but, you know, they came out here. They've been successful or they've been supportive. Uh, I think having McCarthy and some of these members of the establishment come out and endorse me, that's helped move a lot of uh, my incumbent opponents um supporters over to my side so they can see that this just isn't fringe this is the republican nominee now so that that unity is very necessary and i think it's a very good thing uh so mccarthy i think he's really uh listening now to the base the republican party if you listen to the things that he's been saying since the primaries about turning every committee into an oversight committee about really scrutinizing whether or not we're going to continue to send more money to ukraine about saying that hey we're not going to impeach biden just for political reasons he's he's saying all the right things and i'm eager if he ends up being the speaker i don't think anyone's running against him i mean i said hey i won't vote against him i'm gonna uh adhere to my end of the bargain inside the republican caucus if somebody sure. runs against him obviously however i don't think anyone is and so look with the agenda that he's pushing forward i am happy to support that and i feel like it's it's america's first job to keep him and the caucus on that agenda if you contrast that with like mitch mcconnell mitch mcconnell is basically saying that he's just mad and he doesn't care if uh, all the trump endorsed candidates fail and if we don't get a majority in the Senate. So yeah, there's a, it's interesting after a primary, you know, everybody goes against you uh, one day, the next day they call you and they they say they want to be your friend. So we'll we'll see how it goes. I was, I was really grateful for him to to come out here and and show the, uh, the Republican unity. I think there's one thing we could all agree on when you went on next Tuesday, you can consider it an investment and money well spent. (laughs) So I think Joe, what's your weekend look like heading into uh, election day? I know I can only imagine how busy you're going to be. You're always doing, you know, a slew of events and town halls and just driving around and meeting people. What's it look like the last four or five days here? Yeah, we're going to hit it hard. So we're doing multiple events per day. I got a, a town hall here in Vancouver at 4 p.m. today, a bunch of other community engagement events. I'm actually going to go speak with a group of uh, Muslim Americans at a mosque here at 1 p.m. Awesome. Because they are furious about the sexualization of yes. our children in the schools. Uh, multiple events on Saturday, Sunday. Uh, so people have to go to JoeKentForCongress.com or check out my social media to see where we'll be. But there'll be multiple multiple events per day. So we're pushing hard until it's all over. Joe, we will live link those in the show description today. Of course, we'll share it all over our social medias. You've always done a great job of sharing our shows and our material. We appreciate that. And we look forward to circling back with you before you're sworn in in January, sometime over the holiday season. Absolutely. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule. Best of luck the last home stretch couple days here. This is the Trump-endorsed America First Republican nominee, Washington 3, Mr. Joe Kent. Thanks for coming back on the show. Absolutely, man. Thank you. Joining us next on the show today, he's an Army combat veteran. He's also the Trump-endorsed America First Republican nominee, Florida 7. Joining us for the first time, better late than never, home stretch here of the midterm elections, Mr. Corey Mills. Thanks for jumping on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Oh, it's our pleasure, sir. How's everything going with you? How's the home stretch looking out there in Florida 7? The home stretch is looking great. We just did a recent uh, track poll. has up nine and a half. Obviously, with the redistricting, thanks to America's governor, Ron DeSantis, we are now in R plus five. Uh, generic ballots had us at seven, so we're outperforming generic ballots. We're seeing great turnarounds on vote by mail and early voting, which usually is an indicator of a quick night. So whenever you're starting to see where vote by mail and early voting for Republicans is at the same rate or higher than Democrats, we're always better at same day voting, election day voting as far as conservatives. So that tells us or gives us a clear indication on where we're heading when it comes to election night. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, just because the district uh, usually votes one way, uh, when, when you look at all the contributing factors right now, the economy, fuel prices, crime, the fentanyl crisis, the border, geopolitics, you name it, everything in this country is on fire. In addition to the attacks on our children with the trans agenda, the hiding the whole uh, narrative of what's going on at the school agenda, and there isn't something that you could touch on with a reasonable solution that shouldn't identify with any voters. We've seen you have massive popularity throughout the primary campaign. You hit the general election. It looks like Latinos are coming on board. You've definitely got the vote of the hardworking blue-collar middle-class family out there. And it just seems like everybody seems to be on board right now to uh, really issue a referendum on Joe Biden come November 8th. We all know that as Florida goes, usually goes the way of the nation in regards to uh, the House and Senate majorities. And a lot of the polls are reflecting that. And how are these issues really uh, hitting home? You know, the best thing about the America First candidates is they seem to be some of the most interactive and touchable candidates out there. I look through your social media. It's town hall. It's door knocking. It's event here where you're just up with the people hearing what they want you guys to fix come January. Well, yeah, I mean, you hit it right on the head. I mean, our kitchen table issues have expanded out so much that the things that are impacting Florida 7 are impacting the rest of the nation. You know, we have to talk about the fact that these open border policies, these soft on crime, catch and release, no bail reforms is increasing criminality and violating American sovereignty. Not to mention the fact that here in the I-4 corridor, you're seeing in Central Florida a rampant, you know, kind of increase when it comes to opioid and fentanyl overdose and addiction. You know, things that are actually leading to the further deterioration of the nuclear family, something that they actually want to attack. You know, and so we're seeing that. We're seeing the defund the police movement fall flat, which, you know, most conservatives, if not, I would say all conservatives, are very big on the ideas of supporting our brave men and women in blue. You know, I've got a company here in the state of Florida that employs over 127 Floridians that serves over 200 law enforcement departments, uh, SRT, HRT, SWAT, Department of Corrections, FDLE. And so I think that that resonates broadly. I think that the fact that conservatives are more physically responsible, we don't believe in this inflationary spending that you're seeing under the Biden administration. You don't see this frivolous Green New Deal, $5 trillion in uh, inflation that leads to, you know, what they want, which is the monetary modern theory of uh, demand destruction as a result of just driving up debt, inflation rates, et cetera. So, you know, all across the board, whether it's the geopolitical alignment of uh, Russia, China, Iran, as a result of failed and botched Afghan withdrawal, which I know something about because my team and I actually conducted the very first successful overland rescue of Americans out of Afghanistan in uh, September 4th. And, you know, whether it's this, whether it's the uh, PBI that is, you know, kind of shifted towards our favor here in Florida, where we now have over 300,000 plus more Republicans first time. I mean, in 2021, to give you an example, we had over 200,000 plus more Democrats than Republicans. And yes, we're seeing a high influx of those who are escape and refugees of New York and other blue states where people are voting with their feet. But what you're also seeing is where even our independents, our NPAs, are leaning more conservative. They're seeing where the CRT, the indoctrination of our children in schools, the indoctrination in our military academies, this wokeism, this ESG in our corporations, these are deteriorations of American exceptionalism and attacks on our Constitution. And I remind people all the time, we need zero CRT, zero ESG, and we need a lot more GOD. You know, we're a, a nation that was founded upon Judeo-Christian beliefs, which is really what yes. our Constitution is about. It was about the inalienable rights that originate in God and start at man. Oh, by the way, that doesn't mean that it originates at God 
goes to Congress, comes through legislation process, and then command. See, too many of our congressional members today who claim that they're real conservatives are not out there fighting for the America First agenda. They're too scared to be labeled xenophobes. They're too scared to be called racist. And the reality is, is that these are the same people who they call themselves patriots. But I remind people all the time, if you really want to define what a patriot is, it's real simple. Politicians, they look two to four years in the future at their reelection, but a patriot thinks about the next generation of what we leave behind. Yes. That's why providing and protecting for our children is so, so important. That's why protecting against this pansexuality, transgender, gender fluidity, and the indoctrination under these inappropriate pornographic books and materials that are being taught in our schools must come to an end. It's about empowering parental rights. It's about getting back to limited federal government. I'll be the first to tell you, as someone who spent seven years in Iraq, three years in Afghanistan, and Kosovo, Pakistan, uh, the northern Portland areas, I do not support and will not support the funding of these never-ending wars. I will not continue to look at things in a kinetic warfare element when the rest of the, of the world understands there's an evolution and we're now in economic resource warfare. And how we start to defeat our adversaries, like China, Russia, Iran, is to stop reliance upon them, get back not to energy independence, but energy dominance. Yes. Understanding that energy is the global currency of today. It's not just about drill, baby, drill. We have to start understanding that we haven't built a single refinery in America since the 1970s. If we want to truly get back to an America first agenda, we secure our borders, we protect our children, our schools, we protect the unborn, we get our military back to where it should be because it's completely demoralized at this stage. We start recognizing the 10th Amendment for state and individual rights to stop the federal growth, stop the federal overreach, defund and deplatform these 87,000 deep state IRS police who are out there with small arms caliber and weapons on their side because they've learned that it's easier to make Americans comply at the end of a barrel than an ink pen. And let's start actually doing what's best for the American people by protecting our constitutional rights and limiting federal overreach in government. Corey, it sounds like we're going to have a hell of a mandate come January. I mean, they call us every name under the sun. We saw Joe Biden's closing message talk nothing about geopolitics, nothing about the energy crisis or anyone heating their home or finding jobs. There's over 11 million unemployed un Americans right now in this country. Uh, you know, he talked nothing about inflation, nothing about the southern border or people dying from fentanyl. He talked about how... We're the worst people on earth, and all we're going to do is, is ruin democracy when we are here going to the ballot box on Tuesday, and there's over 200 Trump-endorsed America First candidates who have gone out and ran the selection cycle and probably one of the best ones in modern politics, uh, you know, ready to, uh, you know, serve Joe Biden a referendum like he's never had before uh, in his political career. I think you hit on just about every kind of talking point we could hit on, and these are the real issues that are affecting people with receipts and even like past experience that a lot of candidates can't bring to the table. And I think it's an X factor that led to the massive success in your campaign, uh, which which will be, you know, ending the, the night before election night in Miami with a huge Trump rally. No better way to end the Save America rally circuit than a big one down in Florida. We're going to see Senator Scott and Rubio. Obviously, Matt Gates will be there, yourself, Anna Paulina Luna and more. How exciting is that to have Donald Trump put the crown jewel on the Save America rally circuit season by ending it in the great state of Florida? Well, I think it's phenomenal to be able to do that. I mean, I've had an amazing week of support. We just did an event yesterday where I had seven members of Congress to include a couple of uh, upcoming candidates, America First candidates, Harriet Hageman, 
who I call the Rhino Slayer, who took out Liz Cheney in Wyoming that was there with me last night. Oh, yeah. Uh, tomorrow, I get to go speak with the great Ron DeSantis, our governor here in the state of Florida. You know, again, we believe in keep America free, keep Florida free. Um, I've got uh, the great, uh, you know, rally down in Miami with President Trump on the 6th. On the 7th, I come right back into my district, and I have a great uh, event at the Brand- uh, uh, Brandon Center in New Smyrna Beach with First Lady Casey DeSantis and Ashley Moody, our Attorney General. Great. And then we go right into Election Day. We're going to finish strong. We don't take anything for granted here. We want to make such a decisive victory for the America First movement that the Democrats take notice that it doesn't matter what they do from this point forward, their America last agenda, the socialist Marxist communist agenda, the ideology they're trying to pass will not succeed here in America. We are true constitutionalists. And if we believe in our constitutional rights, liberties, and freedoms, then I'm one of those. I think we should start utilizing the laws that are on the books and enforcing them. I think that we have to start thinking about what is best for America. I would love to see an Article 5 Convention of States where we actually finally put U.S. term limits in place in the House and Senate. I believe in the ideas that we should be handing power back to the independent states to be able to run themselves the way it was intended. I believe that we should be banning the buying, selling, and trading of stocks by all members of Congress, their spouse, and anyone who wants to work in the office to stop the insider trading. Yes, We have to understand this is about public service, not personal enrichment. And for far too long, they failed to understand that the architects of our nation, they are all successful businessmen who sacrificed and walked away from their agricultural businesses, their tobacco crops, their distilleries to go serve countries that needed help. And when they were done, they were eager to return back to their successful businesses. Unfortunately, we've allowed federal government to create politicians to be a business, to enrich themselves off the American people while they sit with the office that I'm here to serve of, by, and for the people, which they are not. We have to get back to what it was to serve the people, to be about the people, and to understand that the American people cannot be the silent majority any longer. Well, that's it right there, and I think the, that silent majority, has uh, it's starting to crest, and I think we're going to see that wash up on the shores of just about every election uh, poll a place come next Tuesday. Corey, this has been great sitting down with you for the first time. We're obviously going to wish you the best of luck and health. Uh, Keep on cranking it out there between now and election day. If you want to give us your campaign website, social media, anyone that wants to get in the campaign late, anyone that's out of state that can make phone calls or send monetary donations. We know this is a critical time for you all and we want to be able to help out and direct traffic the best we can. Well, keep everyone in mind, you know, you go to millsforforda.com. Yes, we'd love to have your support, love to have your donations, but the real work begins on November 9th. The minute that we're elected in the office, that's when it's go time. No more political promises. Actual action is what we need. And you know what? I don't know how we have, I don't know how we have to do it other than just trying to get to the votes. But we have to stop all these politicians, to include the Republicans who say they're conservatives, who have no spine and lack the deficiency and moral courage. We need to let them take notice and understand if they don't work for the people, then they won't be working. Uh, you're absolutely right there, and it's going to be really great to see you doing some work up on Capitol Hill next year. We'll be looking to circle back between you know Election Day and Inauguration Day and, and get some hot takes on what the mandates are looking like coming for uh, Joe Biden and the rest of his uh, cronies up there come January. This is the America First Trump-endorsed Republican nominee, Florida 7, Mr. Corey Mills. Thank you for joining us today on Steak for Breakfast. Thank you so much. God bless. Now, in January, Republicans can do two main things. We can investigate and bring accountability to the traitors and the thieves in our government, exposing their corruption and abuse of power. Like that. 
right. We can impeach Secretary Mayorkas. We can impeach Merrick Garland. And we can and we will impeach Joe Biden. Like our first two guests today, she needs no introduction. That's the uh, Georgia House Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's been one of the speakers at every Trump Save America rally throughout this election cycle. And uh, I'll tell you what, I have a feeling without time traveling after today, we're going to have a few more receipts on uh, people who are looking to win big house races next week that can't wait to get their hands on Alejandro Mayorkas, Merrick <laughs> Garland, and Joe Biden figuratively and via impeachment. So Donald Trump was on the road yesterday in the Hawkeye State, Iowa. Big one for the governor candidate there. Of course, our favorite, Senator Chuck Grassley um, and uh, others. And, you know, it was a really good rally for Kim Reynolds and friends. I think uh, the messaging was great. Donald Trump looked good. Even my wife said it last night. She, she you know, I said, I think he's lost some weight. You look at him in the in, in the overcoat, you know, looking thin. He got a haircut. He was bragging about it, but he had to wear the hat because it was near freezing temperatures. It was snowing by the end of the rally. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it was good. I watched it, uh, and then I went and took notes on it again last night just because I wanted to be up on, on some of the messaging here. I do want to make sure we get Senator Grassley in here because, uh, you know, he's one of our favorite senators in 81 years of age made me feel like an absolute piece of crap the other day because he, his last campaign messaging video was like him getting up at four o'clock in the morning to go run. <laughs> so, and, and you know, it's, it's not really edited. The guy goes out and, and works out before he sits on a tractor and then goes and, and does his campaigning. But uh, in addition to Alejandro Mayorkas, Merrick Garland, Joe Biden, there's another group of, hmm, I would call them, well, they're, they're weapons of the political left that we can't forget about and definitely want to see investigated after the midterm elections. Let's hear Senator Grassley. I'm not going to give up on trying to get political bias out of the FBI. And I'm not going to give up on my investigation of Hunter Biden and other Bidens. Because we follow the facts and we follow the money where it leads us. And there's plenty of, there's plenty of money to follow if you've been following it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Sounds like Senator Grassley is ready to do some uh, deep investigations yep. into the Biden crime family. Finally, let's do it. Yeah. Let's get the show going. Oh, I tell you what, uh, people are really looking forward to the work that starts on November 9th. And uh, just just by the looks of things, I think we're going to be in better than well hands. Um, you you want to talk about these candidates, you know, thinking that uh, that foot doesn't come off the gas until the wee hours of November 9th. Uh, there will be no yeah. celebratory pre-red waving from this slew of candidates, I could tell you that much, because um, there's just too much at stake. Uh, we're, we're, we're really at that point right now. It's to be tipping point for the country. I mean, the Democrats are literally waiting to see what happens next week to know when they can just start absolutely, like, you think it's bad now, it's going to get a whole hell of a lot worse. Yeah, um, I'm worried about, like, what's going to happen the day after. And 
if that red wave really comes in strong, I anticipate possibly some paid rioters. Yeah. You know, a little glimpse of what we had from the summer of love, but maybe not as bad this time because I I think a lot of people have, uh, are not buying the bullshit anymore. Well, look at it this way. A lot of those people who participated in the summer of love are probably out on cash bail for other crimes they've committed between now and then. Yeah. So I'm sure they're, uh, ready to rock and roll. And, and I mean, you, I don't know if you saw, there was another Wawa shot up in, in Philadelphia yesterday as they're making a mass exodus um, out of major cities on the East coast because they just are, you know, it's, wow. it's, it's America's convenience store. I grew up in Wawa's and, and just to see them. Yeah. It, it, it's sad. What wasn't sad was when Donald Trump took the stage, I did pull some choice cuts from the rally last night, some of his best hits. I got three big ones coming in hot talking about America first. Let's hear it. Biden, Pelosi and the radical Democrats spend all their time obsessing over the borders of distant foreign nations that many people here have never even heard of. And Americans deserve to have a Congress and a president who will protect our borders of our nation, right? Don't you think? Seems simple enough. We deserve a government that will defend our sovereignty, secure our land, stand up for our families, and protect the people of our country. It's called, very simply, America first. We want America to come first. Well, not too much debate there. We've we've sent... 31.25 border walls worth of cash funding aid and military equipment to Ukraine yet have failed to complete just the one measly border wall here on our U.S. southern border. It's a shame and it's pitiful and disgusting and embarrassing. Um, And what we need to do next week was exactly where President Trump went with that message. Uh, Let's hear it. If you want safety for your family... And security for your community, you need to throw every Democrat the hell out of office and vote for Republicans up and down the line. One of the worst and most sinister aspects of the Biden administration is their complete and total corruption of our justice system and the rule of law. Yep. Before our very eyes, Biden and his left wing handlers are turning America into a police state like something straight out of a communist country. Mm, we don't like that, do we, Antoinette? Nope. I think no you, commies. You know something about communist countries, don't you? Oh, yeah. So, they yeah, fleeing from them. So, I think that's <laughs> definitely what. Oh, man. You, you want to know what? And for a lot of people who still have family and relatives throughout Europe and people that have immigrated from China and places like Russia, especially when it was the Soviet Union. They see this stuff. They, they say that they see it coming. Um, and, you know, it's so easy to clean the streets and fill the jails with all the people that are destabling our society now when enough of the radical progressive lefts, the communist Marxists, get into power. Uh, the jails are virtually empty, you know, because they let everybody out. Or, or they just hold them for, you know, the most ridiculously short length of time before they release them early and... It just seems that that would be an easy fix before they really start going after us and locking it down. I mean, you see stuff that's going on in China now. They're like in day 50 of another COVID lockdown. The people have to go get in line and get tested twice a day while they're getting sprayed with like pesticide just to be able to go home and get locked back in their, you know, little cookie cutter apartments to get their food delivered. 
And uh, disgusting. Listen, we were what seven, eight tenths of the way there just a year and a half ago, literally, where people would like fist fight you if you tried to walk in the store without a mask. <laughs> and uh, you know, you, you would you would work in a career for twenty years, sometimes for the federal government, civilian employee, like literally did your service in the military, fired because you wouldn't get the jab. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And uh, we do have some breaking news, but I'm going to play the last clip of Trump first before we talk about it. I don't even know if I told you yet, but uh, let's hear his my favorite clip of last night. And now, in order to make our country successful and safe and glorious, I will very, very, very probably do it again. Okay? Mm. Very, very, very probably. Very, very, very probably. Oh, that's nice. Well, get ready. That's all I'm telling you. Very soon. Get ready. I've listened to it like literally 10 times already, and I'm still smiling like my cheeks hurt right now. Love it. And uh, hey, listen, I don't know if I mentioned it. Hmm. I know the date. Ooh. Yeah. Sworn to secrecy. Sorry for our vast listenership. But uh, me behind <laughs> off. <laughs> he did say very, very, very probably. And I might have to do it soon. So, Ooh. yeah, I was uh, shocked when I heard it. Mm. Um, the only thing I can confirm is that it will not interfere with the midterm elections. Beautiful. And uh, yeah, besides that, you know. Something big's coming down the pike. And uh, you I've already seen everybody trying to get out ahead of it. Like, uh, I've seen some big commentators on the left saying, like, indictments are coming, blah, blah, blah. They're, like, waiting to jump right back on that ship, like, on November 9th. Because that's going to be, like, the newest message. How do, we, how do we arrest and prosecute Donald Trump? Never going to happen. Right. Find crimes. It, like, invent crimes. It's still never going to happen. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's a shame. And I don't know if you saw yesterday, very quietly released Ron DeSantis's team communicated with Vanity Fair that he's told his big money donors that he is not, not going to be running for president in 2024. Good. He belongs where he's at right now. And I'm glad he said it finally. If it was any kind of commentator, I would have brushed it off as like, that's Republican strategists trying to like at least hold this ship together through the midterms. But since it was like someone yeah. extreme, like this is when you believe the close source, because everybody wants Donald Trump out. So they want to pump Ron DeSantis. It was very deflating. And I believe it's going to be an op-ed in Vanity Fair coming out in their next issue. Uh, but I did link it and share it in my social media. So you could see it on true social and Twitter. Uh, I also attached to that one, you know, like suck at DeSantis bros. Cause they're so annoying. Like wait your wait your turn and, and be governor for an entire term without having to like the mulligan of two years of COVID or the Donald Trump getting you over the finish line. Like Ron DeSantis wins by double digits right now. Congratulations, you did the work and go be a great governor and fix Florida. That. You know, I, I just don't think it's the time for him to 
you know, because it's, I think it's so crucial and essential that we've got really good governors like him, yep. you know, in these important states. So, you know, at the local level and I don't know, I just didn't, I never saw it really happening to be fair. We have been, it's not happening since day one. Everybody we bring on here that's very close to Donald Trump's orbit in the solar system that he is the sun and they rotate around him have all said no, no or die trying figuratively, of course, politically for sure. Um, you know, Christina Bob went and just laid it out there last week. You know, she said he needs to do another term as governor. He needs to stop copying everything that Donald Trump does, everything down to his talking points and mannerisms and make some for himself. And uh, Liz Harrington just brushed it off as absolutely not. She's like, if he does, it'll be like the end of his political career. That was a quote from her. Mm-hmm. And that's the official spokeswoman for the 45th president of the United States. But uh, I did see them try to sneak that out there yesterday. And uh, you know what? To me, that shows a little bit of party unity. Uh, yeah. You know, we've seen just about everybody on the Republican side, all of McLeadership except McConnell, come on board. And, uh, you know, talking with Joe Kent just now, we, we heard him. That picture went viral last week. Uh, Kevin McCarthy went out to his district and they took a picture together and, and did a little campaigning. And, you know, Joe Kent laid it out there for you guys. Like, yes, it was funny to see him waste $12 million in trying to get him not elected. But he said once he became the nominee, like, their people started talking and then they started talking and Joe Kent sounded pretty optimistic. And this goes off of, you know, remember Newt Gingrich met with Kevin McCarthy and president Trump and they drafted the plan and they kind of laid it out there. Remember Donald Trump still has not endorsed Kevin McCarthy for speaker of the house, but it was going to be, we need to win and we need to win big. We need to win bigger than Newt did in 1994 for this to really make it an America first nationalist populist mandate and they needed Kevin McCarthy to get on board. Yep. And to still have these candidates today, four and a half days before people go to the ballot box, still talking about impeaching these people as part of their campaign platform and people loving it. I'm cautiously optimistic, but I don't think after we had Paul Ryan, after we had Jim Boehner, we're not going to waste this opportunity like we did in those times before. Because it's yeah. just, look what happens. Look what happens. You know, we, we've laid it out there for you guys. And Donald Trump, again, laid it out there for the American people. Three more rallies coming down the pike between now and the day before Election Day. He's going to f- conclude the Save America rally circuit season in Miami County. It's going to be a huge rally. Scott's going to be there. Rubio's going to be there. Corey Mills is going to be there. Anna Paulina Luna is going to be there. And cast of others. Um, and then he's got... Uh, Ohio and Pennsylvania in between. So big rallies for J.R. Majewski, Max Miller, Madison Jesse Odo, J.D. Vance, obviously, in Ohio. And then you go over to Pennsylvania. We are in Doug Vember full force. And uh, Doug Mastriano will be highlighted, as will Dr. Oz, and some of the great house reps that are running there, like you know Jim Bognett, who we heard from. Just uh, Actually, we're going to hear from in just a minute. So uh, let's jump into a couple more of these candidates that are getting ready to call in, and then we'll circle back and jump right into our version of the midterm election roundup. All right, joining us next on the show today, he's the Trump-endorsed America First Republican nominee, Pennsylvania 8, Battleground State, Bellwether House seat. Coming back on the program again, Mr. Jim Bognett, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I remember we did our first uh, interview at the beginning of this year. I was driving uh, in my district, and here we are, four days, five days out from election day, and we are fired up. 
you know what? It's the same messaging we get from everybody. We, we got in early on a lot of candidates, whether it's Carrie Lake or Herschel Walker, Doug Mastriano, or yourself. We, we were one of the first interviews for all of you guys when you launched your campaigns, and, and we're really thankful to be here literally on the home stretch just four days away from the midterm elections. How's everything going on in your neck of the woods? Uh, we feel fantastic. The energy for change, the enthusiasm for change, frankly, the need and demand for change is overwhelming. Uh, we were with Dr. Oz last night uh, up in Scranton, Pennsylvania, a suburb of Scranton called Clark Summit, which is a, uh, you know, traditionally Lackawanna County and Scranton is a big uh, liberal area. Not anymore. I'll tell you, uh, people uh, keep telling me, why can't we go back to what we had two years ago under President Trump, where gas prices were low, home heating oil prices were low, the economy was strong. America was viewed with respect around the world. We need to go back to that. So I'm just so excited. We had 350 people out last night, I believe, to see me and Dr. Oz rallying. Uh, I feel a lot of energy. Uh, you, when you've been around this for a long enough time, you can just feel when the energy's on your side. And we know the energy's on our side. People know we are on a bad track and they want change. And we're going to give it to them in four days. Yeah, as, a, as a show that, like we've talked about, just tracked you from the beginning, uh, we get to feel the rise in that energy level. And uh, it's, it's cresting right now. Regardless, first there was repression polls in the mainstream media. Now there's like reverse repression polls. And now they're trying to go back in just the last few days and have repression polls again where candidates were tied or leading uh, last week on the Republican side and now all of a sudden they're down like 14 points. It just doesn't make any sense. Early voting doesn't uh, lock up with the crosstabs either and it just seems like you guys have ran the races you need to run. You've hit people like Matt Cartwright on the issues over and over again. He's a Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden rubber stamper. He's contributed to all this bad stuff that's going on in this country including the inflation, the oil crisis and the southern border and, and people in Pennsylvania I believe want change. They're calling that one of the closest states in the entire midterm election cycle. I feel like America First is going to win big on Tuesday. Well, you're right about that. I mean, my opponent, Matt Cartwright, votes with Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi 100% of the time. He is a wholly owned subsidiary of the Biden administration. When Joe Biden says jump, he says how high, sir. We don't need that anymore. We've had that now for two years. That put the country and our economy into a ditch. Uh, you know, Matt Cartwright was one of the first guys out there um, applauding the defund the police lunacy that we've all had to live through. Now we see crime out of control in Philadelphia and New York, which are two hours away from where I'm sitting right now. We don't want that coming to Wilkes-Barre and Hazleton and Stroudsburg and Scranton. So we're going to, you know, I, I've been saying to folks, these people have sold their souls, they've lost their minds, and on Tuesday they're going to lose their jobs. Yes, they most certainly are. We, we are strong believers in that. One of the biggest issues that's come up towards the end of the campaign uh, cycle here, in addition to all of the kitchen table items that we already touched on briefly, some of the ones that your opponent has voted on repeatedly to hurt the hardworking blue-collar middle class, is impeachment. M most certainly for someone like Alejandro Mayorkas, we know you've been been a big proprietor of that. There have been a lot of Trump-endorsed America First candidates who have ran as part of that of their platform. I find it pretty relieving to see some of our sitting Congress people, Senator Cruz and Rand Paul, both have weighed in, in the last week. In addition, Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene have weighed in through the entirety of this election cycle, calling for Alejandro Mayorkas to be impeached in January. You still feeling super strongly about that, especially after some of his divisive rhetoric before Joe Biden's awful speech again the other day? Well, it's just unbelievable. It is unbelievable what these people are doing to our country. The border is a, uh, a national tragedy. It's a crisis beyond measure. We just put up a commercial today uh, with we had a, a, a woman who just has gone through unspeakable tragedy, lost her son to an overdose. Mm. Uh, these people are doing nothing 
to stop the fentanyl and the heroin and all the illegal drugs from coming across our southern border. They're doing nothing to stop the cartels from trafficking teenagers. We need a real border. So since our first interview, I've been talking about we got to get rid of Mayorkas. He is, uh, in my opinion, totally and, and completely not carried through with his oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. And President Trump used to say, if we don't have a border, we don't have a country. I believe that, and I believe we have to take aggressive action on that. And one other thing I'd like to talk about, I've been talking about, we got to get rid of the 87,000 IRS agents. But I always say we should replace them with Border Patrol agents. That is what would be key, is to replace those IRS agents with Border Patrol agents who can actually do some good for our country instead of hounding and abusing small business people. And then get somebody who's going to run the agency that's actually going to enforce the laws that are on the books while you guys work on uh, fixing the disaster Joe Biden's caused over the last two years. I think that's a big, big portion of it. And I think you're right in the uh, thread of what the American people are uh, feeling right now, which is what I want to touch on. You talked about at the top that event you did with Dr. Oz last night. Now, listen, America First Trump-endorsed candidates have been some of not only the most diverse group of candidates. You're talking about age, race, background. Some are immigrants. Some have come from parts and and sectors of of our society that usually don't see, for instance, Blake Master coming from big tech, you know, Herschel Walker coming from private business and and professional sports. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things. You you went to that event with Dr. Oz last night. His popularity has surged in the last couple months as well. What is it like getting there on the ground, being in a place with 350, 400 people that can actually like physically interact with you and, and, and like tell you the things that they want you to fix in January? Well, it was fantastic. It was amazing. Dr. Oz always brings a great energy. He is a, a very smart man, spent his career helping people that had heart disease and heart trouble, being a heart surgeon. We're so lucky. Uh, the, the new working man's Republican Party has brought in all sorts of people. We have amazing people like Kerry Lake in Arizona, Dr. Oz here in Pennsylvania. Uh, we have small business people. We have veterans like uh, one of your guests coming up, Joe Kent and Eli Crane, two amazing veterans that have served our country and in Joe's case made ultimate sacrifices, yes. members of their family uh, passing away, defending our freedom. It is amazing the quality of the candidates that we've seen run this year because people all across the country have seen what a disaster Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi and Kamala Harris and Chuck Schumer have been for us. And, you know, my opponent, Matt Cartwright, he's been in office for 10 years. And I saw that he wasn't getting anything done for us. And I just said, how can you have a guy in office for 10 years who voted to impeach President Trump twice? How could he be representing the working people of northeastern Pennsylvania? So I would just ask your your folks to go to BeatScrantonJoe.com, BeatScrantonJoe.com, and tune in and donate a few bucks if they can. But one more thing about that rally last night you know there's a lot of anger and i've been telling people if you're not angry you haven't been paying attention but you know what we had last night was joy joy and hope because we know that we have the power in five days to change america we have the power to save america in president trump's words it's on us nobody's coming to save us it's on us as voters and patriots to go out to get our friends and family to vote to save this country from what they're doing to us. So there was a lot of joy and excitement last night. We know on Tuesday we're going to bring it home and save this country. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things that uh, you've seen in, in just the, the the feel of it right now. I think that's where we really started overwhelming the polls about a month ago when they really started to tighten. You can't put out these fake numbers for so long when the enthusiasm on the Republican side to really issue a referendum on not only Matt Cartwright in Pennsylvania 8, but Joe Biden and everybody else that's connected to him in, in his administration, uh, you know, at the ballot box next week. Last thing I want to touch on, you have President Trump coming to town this weekend. What's the excitement level like uh, in your uh, team's camp? And then what does your weekend look like heading into Election Day? 
Well, there is amazing excitement. President Trump's actually coming out to Pennsylvania near Pittsburgh, uh, which is on the other side of the state, about five hours away. There is tremendous excitement all across the state. Uh, we're going to be doing some Zoom events and interviews there. I'll tell you, when President Trump came here over Labor Day weekend for his first rally of the general election, he picked our district. meant so much to me as somebody who worked in his administration that he would come up in a rally for me and Dr. Oz and the Republican ticket. It was fantastic. Uh, our weekend is going to be meeting voters. We are going to be out every day, uh, every night meeting voters. We're starting with a pro-life, a giant pro-life event tomorrow morning. Uh, then on Sunday, we have a big get out the vote rally. Dr. Oz is coming up to my hometown of Hazelon, Pennsylvania on Monday. And then Tuesday, I think I hit 18 different polling places in the primary. We're going to try to break that record on Tuesday. Excellent, Jim. We know you already gave your campaign website, but if you want to give that your social media again, anyone that wants to get in last minute door knocking, show up to your events, make phone calls, or if you're out of state, send those monetary contributions. They do nothing but help in these critical hours before we head to the ballot box on November 8th. So you can go to Beat Scranton Joe, BeatScrantonJoe.com. This is Joe Biden's hometown, BeatScrantonJoe.com. Check out our policy positions at BogNetForCongress.com. Check us out on Twitter, Getter, the True Social, Facebook at BogNetForCongress. And more than anything, if you want to make phone calls, send us an email at team at BogNetForCongress.com. Team at BogNetForCongress.com. We would love great patriots from all over the country to make phone calls to voters over the week, and that would help us so much. Yeah, Thank you for having me. Oh, no, it's our pleasure, and we'll be looking to circle back with you before you're sworn in in January sometime during the holiday season. We wish you the best of health and luck in here, the final stretch of the midterm election season. This is the Trump-endorsed America First Republican nominee, Pennsylvania 8, Mr. Jim Bognett. Thanks for coming back on the show. God bless your audience, and go out to vote. Joining us next on the show today, she is the Trump-endorsed America First Republican nominee, North Carolina's first District, U.S. House seat, coming back on the show with a big end of the campaign update. Miss Sandy Smith, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing great. More importantly, how are you doing? We are just five days away, heading into the last weekend before Election Day on November 8th, and uh, we are really fortunate to catch you on the campaign trail. Um, how's it been? How's it looking? And uh, how you feeling heading into the last weekend? We are feeling fantastic. A matter of fact, I'm actually at a polling site working right now while we're doing this interview, and uh, people are fired up and ready for change. And it's interesting. I'm seeing a lot of people cross over from the other side and uh, extend their support to me, so that's very, very exciting. Well, I can only imagine someone who's worked as hard as you have throughout the course of your campaign to be at the polls and making sure that America First is showing out, which... uh, if you look at a lot of the internal polling across the country, especially with those Trump-endorsed America First candidates that are looking pretty darn good for next week, but the best part about it is we don't celebrate until into the wee early hours of November 9th. Foot's on the gas all the way through. Is that correct? Absolutely. A matter of fact, I'm going to be leaving this location, driving two hours to another location to spend time with voters, and then I have to drive another two hours back. It's nonstop on the road. Matter of fact, this morning, I put a brand new pair of sneakers on because <laughs> I've worked so hard and been so many places that had no traction on my other one. So it's, it's been fun, and um, we're, we're very, very excited. We're waiting for Tuesday. Everything looks very, very good. Polling looks good, and um, it, we believe we're going to make history on November 8th. 
No, I think it's funny. We just had Mike Collins on the show last week, and I told him he was going to need a new transmission in his semi-truck, and now you're telling me you're putting on new sneakers. That just tells how hard you guys are working out there in the great state of uh, North Carolina and Georgia, really bringing in those uh, America Post voters and uh, you know, changing the tires, whether they be the ones on your vehicles or the ones on your feet. I like it. What else I like is uh, how you've launched that platform and stuck with it, hitting those kitchen table issues throughout. I mean, I saw on your social media the other day you had that comparison between you and, the, you know, obviously your progressive uh, leftist uh, Democrat nominee over there, Donald Davis. He wants abortion on demand. He does not support school choice or at least won't answer on it. Same thing with critical race theory in school, which includes the 1619 Project. You know, uh, local law enforcement working with the Department of Homeland Security, most specifically to ICE. He's against it. And Taxpayer Protection Pledge, also against that as well. It sounds uh, pretty clear and obvious when you when you take just that platform there and you roll inflation out there, the cost of energy and what it's going to cost to heat your home and your small business vehicles this winter, the open U.S. southern border, spiking crime, fentanyl crisis, geopolitics, you name it. It sounds like he is just going to be another yes man for Nancy Pelosi and definitely someone who we do not want anywhere near Capitol Hill come January. You are absolutely right. He is a bought and paid for politician. Nancy Pelosi has given him $5 million to attack me, and all they really are doing is gaslighting these folks and trying to do character assassinations to America First candidates all across the country. And you know what? The people see through the garbage, and that's why we have so much momentum uh, behind us, and that is what's going to get us uh, across that finish line as the winners on November 8th. You know, you hit all the issues. I mean, every single one of them. And, um, you know, know, parents, you know, my opponent voted against the Paris Bill of Rights Act. You mentioned law enforcement. He voted against law enforcement and ICE. He doesn't want law enforcement to call ICE and let them know that they've caught a dangerous illegal uh, alien here that has committed a heinous crime. He doesn't, he doesn't want them to communicate to them, which is horrific. we got to stand up and make our community safer. We've got to make sure our kids are getting educated, not indoctrinated. And we need to send a clear message that the parents are the ultimate decision maker in every child's life, not the government. We do not co-parent with the government. And then you mentioned gas. You know, we've got this diesel um, shortage and we're you know, crisis, I should say, that's going to be affecting our country. We haven't seen anything yet. Not only is it going to make it very difficult for some of our folks to heat their homes, but we're going to see shortages in the grocery stores um, because the diesel trucks can't get there to deliver the, the goods. So um, it's going to get real bad. And this is all self-inflicted by the Democrats. No, it certainly is. You can thank Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and Joe Biden for what this holiday season is going to look like. And I can just tell by talking to so many candidates down the stretch here, you know, everyone from people running in governor's races for Senate seats and then all you guys in the House, these are the warnings that you're putting out there. Just because we have an enormous red tsunami next week on Tuesday doesn't mean the problems automatically get fixed. We are going to have a mandate after sweeping victories in the House and Senate. I think we're going to stack some governor seats and get well into the 30s. And, and you know, it's then it's time to really roll up our sleeves and go to work. Oh, absolutely. That's what we got to do. We have a lot of work to do. And, I mean, we've got to unro- uh, unravel two years of this Biden debacle mess. Um, and so we're going to have folks that are going to be struggling, but I need to make sure everyone understands relief is on the way as long as we get out and vote and uh, change the direction of our country. 
No, that's it right there. And, Sandy, you, you've run an absolutely rock star campaign. I mean, no, no one has seen it more than when we tracked you uh, going through the Trump rally, how well-received you were by the audience. It seems like President Trump has really, you know, just opened up and, and, and loved what you've done in North Carolina 1 heading into the finals here. What does your last weekend before Election Day look like? Well, first of all, I just want to thank you. Uh, I was so honored to get President Trump's endorsement um, from the podium uh, in uh, Wilmington. But I was even more excited when he actually called me. I think I told you guys about that last uh, last time we talked. But this weekend, it is like full throttle. We've got 19 counties. We're going every single place we can. Um, we've got we've been teaming up with other campaigns because we want to make sure we get all conservative America First candidates across that finish line. And we're we're um, just it's go go go, and we're not letting off till election night. I love it. And, uh, you know, we, we do want to continue to do our part in supporting all of your guys' campaigns, which has just been amazing to watch from the beginning. If you want to give us your campaign website and social medias, we're going to live link them in the show today. Anyone that's in state that wants to show up at your events, knock on doors, or if you're out of state, maybe make phone calls and all of those monetary donations. They're so important at this critical juncture of the campaign election season right now. Uh, we'll make sure we get them live linked and get as much support as we can for you down the stretch. That'd be fantastic. Just go to Sandy Smith nc.com and then you can go to every social media platform just about and find me at sandy smith nc amazing sandy we're going to look to link up with you after election day before inauguration day talk about the mandate that republicans have after sweeping wins next week and again we wish you the best of luck and health on the campaign trail this is the america first trump endorsed u.s house republican nominee nc1 miss sandy smith thanks for coming back on the show Thanks, guys. I appreciate it and can't wait to talk to you after we went on Tuesday. Take care. The guys who stormed the Capitol on January 6th, they are the lead. They're the leaders. This is what I'm saying. They stormed the Capitol oh. on January 6th. They beat up 140 police officers, oh. killed, killed one. Oh. Okay, they killed, they killed oh. one. We all, we all watched, we all watched the, we all watched the video. We all watched the video. Let him finish, please. And I work, I'm, I'm happy to have this conversation. I'm not afraid to have this conversation. These are the conversations we need to have in this country. I welcome you guys. He's absolute scum. Did he call him liar? Did somebody call him liar? Yeah, of course. I mean, it was I'm a, it, it was a divided town hall audience, but uh, yeah, you really heard the crowd go into some you know, grunts and boos when he said that a police <laughs> officer was killed at the Capitol on January 6th. And that's fucking scumbags sitting Senator who's enjoying his last four and a half days wow. um, as an elected official, Tim Ryan, JD Vance is going to get him the fuck out of there because we just can't have that. We, we you know, for the politically uneducated people who's like, Oh yeah, I want to vote, but I'm not sure. Let me watch. And then you tune into that and be like, did that really happen? And yeah. what happens if you Google it, you see MSNBC, CNN, all these fake news outlets come up that say like, oh, op-ed, did the Capitol rioters really lead to, you know, to the death of a Capitol police officer on January 6th? Well, let's, let me give you an opinion that's not based off any facts. Right. Absolutely loathsome uh, and, and at no place for that. And it's just one of those things where, uh, you know, I won't be press S to spit when, when, you know, I, I'm reposting stuff about Tim Ryan losing his election next Tuesday. Um, mm -hmm. 
So he came out for about 30 minutes, and then he left, and, and J.D. Vance came in, and uh, you know he wanted to do what all the Trump-endorsed America First candidates do when they're not getting attacked with smears and lies. They want to talk about the big-ticket items and, and the kitchen table issues, and he sure as hell did a good job of that. Let's hear him uh, weigh in on inflation in the economy. I was raised by a single mom, too. I was raised by my mamaw, uh, in big part my grandmother, because of some of the issues that we had in our family. But I, I certainly know the struggles that working families are going through. And, and I'd say a couple of big things, right? So one of the reasons why we have this terrible inflation is because the Biden administration, backed by Tim, uh, supported a lot of borrowing and spending, throwing fuel on the fire, which has caused the price of everything to go up. Now, we have to remember, Biden said that he wouldn't raise taxes on the middle class. But if you're a family right now dealing with the grocery prices and the energy prices, yep. certainly you feel like your taxes have gone up a lot because the cost of living a good life in this country has gone up a lot. The other really crazy thing is that we really went to war against American, America's energy sector. So energy goes into everything, right? It goes into the, the diesel fuel that the trucks use to take our food to the grocery store. It goes into the manufacturing process. And so when you have energy getting so, so expensive, that raises the price of everything else as well. And so I think we get those two things under control. We stop the borrowing and spending. And we actually get open up Ohio's energy markets, then we'll start to bring those prices under control. I also think that, look, I mean, I, I'm not going to disagree with the Democrats on everything. I think one of the good things that came out of the Inflation Reduction Act, maybe the only good thing to come out of the Inflation Reduction Act, is that it does empower Medicare to actually negotiate with some of these prescription drug providers on prescription drugs. That's a good thing. It brings down costs, brings down costs for families. And look, you know, we're the greatest country in the world. You should not be able to, you, you should not be unable to afford insulin in the greatest country in the world because you can't afford it. That's got to change. And I think that we're making good progress there. Hitting it hard, hitting the issues and showing that he's open to uh, bipartisanship where it benefits the people of Ohio and the average mm -hmm. American citizen. I think it's uh, excellent the way he was, uh, you know, hitting those uh, items. And I think that uh, he's going to have a lot of success come Tuesday night. We uh, saw, well, one of our favorite gubernatorial candidates, since it is Doug Vember, Doug Mastriano. He was on uh, Newsmax the other day. And, you know, one of the things, and we've touched on it so many times, Republicans are going to purposely tank the economy. Republicans are going to outlaw abortion across the world. Um, <laughs> obviously, January 6th. And another one is, you know, we, we played the clip last week where, there's DNC campaign ads saying, like, when you go to the ballot box on November 8th, did you know 60% of the Republican candidates are verified election deniers? And it's just like, come on. We're going to get into it in our News 2 segment because Joe Biden gave his uh, pedo Hitler version 2 speech um, two days ago as the closing remarks for the Democrats' campaign season. And, uh, you know, I just want to talk about real quick because I think it's so important uh, the Bolsonaro election yeah. went down. You know, the way that whole thing went down, obviously widespread voter fraud there. You can't have someone have a million people show up to multiple rallies and not win the presidency. I'm sorry. No, I agree. It's ridiculous. But the people are standing up and they're making their voices heard. God bless. Yeah, a lot of stuff going on down there. We pray for all the uh, real Brazilian patriots who are out there putting their lives literally on the line for, uh, you know, their chance to save, well, the, the last threads of democracy that are going on down there. Um, but here's the fact of the matter. The big takeaway from the Brazilian election, 100 
and 19 plus million people voted in that election because they have mandatory voting for adults. Everyone has voter ID. Paper ballots counted same day. Results came out day of election. 119 million people. Where is this? Brazil. Oh, in Brazil. Yeah. Oh, I, I, went, I went and crunched the final numbers with 100% Didn't reporting. They throw out like 5 million ballots. They did. Over 5.05 5. million ballots were discarded. Unreal. Unreal. And a percentage and a half, 1.2% difference between Lulo and, uh, you know, Balso. So, <laughs> very, very, yes, the, the con is in. Uh, China will be in there. The cartels will flourish. You are going to see. Venezuela is what they want, basically. Yep. Uh, it would be like a hybrid of Mexico and Venezuela, but the steroids they're injecting is the CCP. Jesus. Very, very scary. And, uh, yeah. you know, but like I said, Almost 120 million people voted. That's, you know, probably something that we're going to see in this midterm election. Paper ballots, voter ID, day of, everything's counted. Like, you know the winner by 9, 10 p.m. standard time down there. And uh, mm-hmm. we'll hear Joe Biden talk about how some races are going to take fucking weeks to determine again. Uh, the projection of voter fraud and just not being able to do it in any kind of comprehensive first world way but getting back to the item of election denial and how stupid of a topic is let's hear senator mastriano himself weigh in in doug vember about election denial election integrity i track these numbers of election integrity jennifer can tell you about that (laughs) we have a lot of work to do you know Asking questions about anything in America or elections does not make you an election denier. What, what a stupid phrase, too, by the way. Who's denying any election? What, what a bunch of, what a cabal of a, a elite leftists, as, as Tulsi Gabbard called them. You know, actually, constitutionally, as a senator, I had the responsibility in the oversight of the manner and conduct of the election. So asking questions is my job, especially when the people of the state say, Doug, we have questions. And they have been unanswered. So a lot of work to do on election integrity. My goal is you be able to walk into the voting booth and know that you have an equal say as anyone else in the state who votes, period. It's not that hard. And that's Senator Mastriano playing before a large crowd. That seems to be the normalcy for him throughout the course of this campaign. He's quietly run the greatest grassroots campaign of the entire election cycle. You know, the yeah. establishment. Governor's Association has all but abandoned him. The money that's come into his campaign has been, you know, self-fundraised. And uh, we can only determine what's gone on behind the scenes between him and uh, President Trump. This will be the third rally of the election season this weekend for Senator Mastriano and uh, Dr. Oz. And I know they've done at least two tele-rallies. But uh, it's a shame. Uh, you know, he's he's ran a hell of a race, and uh, I really do feel like he's going to pull this off, the people of Pennsylvania. I, how can you have, like, an Oz Shapiro voter? You know, it's or yeah. or vice versa. You know, you have a Fetterman Mastriano voter. They just don't – they don't add up. Exactly. So I, I just don't see a split ticket item there. I, I see as Oz goes, so will Mastriano, and – you know, we'll, we'll, we'll hear in this next clip from Doug, you know, him talking about how it started off with him lifting and carrying the ticket and, you know, Dr. Oz kind of ran with it. 
after the uh, debate with John Fetterman. Let's hear that when he jumped on Newsmax. It absolutely hurts them. It, it reminds them of the dark times. Like it or not, you know, Obama is tied to Biden. That was his uh, vice president for eight years, and Obama worked hard to get Sleepy Joe in. Uh, we're going to have Donald Trump on Saturday, uh, and just compare the optics. You've covered this. You'll, you'll see 10,000, 20,000 people at our rally outside of Pittsburgh, and you'll see maybe 100 or less over, you know, attending Biden or Obama's rallies right. when they come into town. It does not help them at all because everything is falling apart underneath this current administration. Doug, yep. let me ask you about uh, the Senate race happening in your state and the coattails that they could provide for your race as well. Pittsburgh Post-Gazette this morning um, says that Dr. Oz is the better candidate of the two because of John Fetterman's health. Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, biggest newspaper in all of the state. Uh, after that debate, which was last week, um, we haven't really seen a lot of polling. Penn State did a poll that's got Oz up by three points. Um, what do you make of that race in the direction it's going next Tuesday. Yeah, obviously, the debate completely changed the environment for that election. And, uh, you know, I believe that will help us. And for the longest time, it felt like we were, we were helping Oz more than the other way around with, with the base that's so energized. And, but that debate performance uh, was absolutely superb. And this is why Agreed. I'm a bit frustrated that my opponent has absolutely refused to debate me because yeah. I'll make him worse, look worse than John Fetterman. I'd smoke him like a cheap cigar. But he's a chicken. He won't go on the stage with me because he's terrified that that's going to happen to him, too. That, that's the only credit I give John Fetterman is he actually stood up there and, and yeah. tried to make it through. Yeah. But but Katie Hobbs and, and Josh Shapiro both refusing to debate. Right. Uh, that should be standard in any race. Voters need to hear from they need to hear from candidates. It's so important. That's right. um, OK, we appreciate having you back on Pennsylvania State Senator Doug Mastriano. Good luck to you next Tuesday. Thank you. All right. Love it. Love hearing from Doug. The man's yeah. he's got the issues down. The guy supports President Trump unwavering, you know, was was the first out there with the uh, election irregularities after 2020 and, you know, led the whole Pittsburgh facet of uh, Stop the Steal. And uh, you just can't say enough good things about him. Him and his wife, Rebby, have just got crisscrossed the state. They've gone into the deep blue urban areas and just I feel like Senator Mastriano has run the race where he is going to be the next governor of Pennsylvania. I just don't see a reality where Josh Shapiro, just based off his last two election cycles, the turnout, the enthusiasm for him. I also don't think with like Dr. Oz surging in the polls right now, there's an anti-enthusiasm for Doug Mastriano. Those two items don't line up either. You know, if you're buying into your senator being America first and promoting these values, then obviously you would want to see the same stuff from the governor. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just we'll be tracking this to Election Day. And if anybody on Senator Mastriano's team reaches out to us, like we'll stop on a dime and get that ironed out and, and get him in there. Um, another state that's looking to uh, well, get rid of uh, one of the worst governors, and, and we just keep saying it over and over again in the country, not Gretchen Whitmer, not Gavin Newsom. Um, obviously, Governor Wolf's leaving Pennsylvania. Um, Kathy Holchel in New York. Uh, you know, Lee Zeldin remains 1.5% up in the polls there. And uh, it looks like voter turnout and enthusiasm in the great state of New York, the Empire State, is at all-time highs in this governor's race because that place has become virtually unlivable. It's, crime has, you know, oozed out into the suburbs, and uh, it's just not a great place to live anymore. Biggest mass exodus for major city and state in the country by far. And... Uh, you have all of their prominent officials there from the governor to the mayor of New York City, et cetera. Chuck Schumer, you know, U.S. senator, all lying about crime stats. 
none it doesn't affect any of them. They all walk around with armed security. They all live in big gated mansions. They don't care about you guys. Yep. Uh, Lee Zeldin does. And uh, he's experienced some of that crime firsthand throughout the course of his election campaign. And uh, he jumped on with Tucky last night to pitch a little bit of that last minute pitch. So let's hear him. For coming on. So this will be studied, I think, if you do win, as it looks like you will, on Tuesday. This will be studied, you know, for a long time, I think, I hope. Um, But tell us why you think in a state that went 23 points for Biden less than two years ago, you seem to be on your way to becoming the governor. Like, how did that happen? How did you do that? Focus on the issues that matter most to New Yorkers. People are hitting their breaking point and fleeing this state because their wallets, their yeah. safety, their freedom, the quality of their kids' education are under attack. When the, you have to wake up to video pictures and stories of people being pushed in front of an oncoming subway car or a green goblin gang, uh, people are be getting beaten on a street. And it's not just inside of the city. You're seeing stories from across the state. Heck, I even had a gang-related drive-by shooting in my front yard a few weekends ago. Yep. It yep. hits as close to home for all these New Yorkers who are hitting that breaking point. We're focusing on those issues, and Kathy Hochul doesn't want to talk about any of it. She wants us to just look away. There's nothing to see here. She's calling it a conspiracy, and even as you list actual factual data, she'll say that you're a data denier. (laughs) Uh, And what she said last week in our debate was that when I was saying, hey, Governor, we're almost done with the entire conversation about crime. You still haven't mentioned the whole locking up the bad guy part of this. And she said she doesn't understand why that is so important to me. And when she says she doesn't understand why that's so important to me, she's saying that she doesn't understand why that's so important to all sorts of New Yorkers. So she's really alienated herself, not just with Republicans, but Democrats and independents too. Well, yeah, and it's not a hard formula. And I'm grateful that you're, you're doing it and you're being rewarded for it. It's like, let's not let the civilization collapse. That's not ideological. You hear people say, oh, common sense politics. That's the most common sense politics. Why isn't every Republican in America running on this? Yep. Hey, listen, I I think it's just important to know what matters most to the person you're trying to earn support from. And we get asked this question, what's the top issues of the campaign? And you have candidates who, who, like, they're thinking about what they want the top issues to be. It doesn't work like that. The people are in charge. The answer to the question is whatever New Yorkers or whatever your your potential voter is telling you is most important issue to them. That's what the most important issues of these campaigns are about. And here in New York, people want to feel safe on the streets. They want the attacks on their wallets uh, to end. They want to feel like freedom is actually being defended. And they want the quality of their kids' education to be improved. Yep. Yeah, they do. Uh, so you need, um, you know, you got probably got to get in the high 20s or 30s in New York City. New York is vast, of course. New York City is at the very bottom. Do you think there are enough sensible Democrats or fed up Democrats in New York City who will vote for you that you can win? Yeah, absolutely. You have Democrats who feel like their party has left them. Some Democrats consider themselves to be conservative. Some Democrats register Democrat in New York City because that's what you do. You want your vote to count and you feel like the only way to make your vote count is to vote in a Democratic primary for the most normal option if you have one. You have Democrats who want to be able to ride a subway without hugging a pole or grabbing a guardrail. Now you have this new congestion pricing scam, which over in London's not working out too well. They want to bring that to New York and who knows what other cities elsewhere. Uh, So yeah, there's a lot of Democrats who aren't hyper-partisan Democrats where they will just always vote Democrat for the rest of their life. They want balance. Exactly. These people have not improved anyone's life. Maybe their own, but that's it. And it's, it's demonstrable. Lee Zeldin, 
Godspeed. That was a good segment with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Lee Zeldin's always had a strong voice in the House, uh, very strong ally to President Trump during the Trump presidency. And uh, But presentation-wise, you've seen him grow up. Uh, he's become more of a complete national-level candidate, the caliber of candidate that could represent a state like New York. Um, and, and I really do think people want change there as well. And, uh, you know, you've seen Senator Schumer get taken to task by uh, opinion in their debate where Schumer looked completely clueless and, and just out of touch. Uh, you've seen all the stuff go on with the AOC town halls. Neither one of them are going to lose. But no. to see people actually fed up at the level that they're at, you know, Barack Obama has been making the rounds, uh, <laughs> packing gyms with a couple hundred people. Uh, you know, but last night he got heckled, like four or five people got pulled out of there that were yelling and screaming at them, talking about drug prices, fentanyl crisis, starting World War III with the coup that was initiated during the Obama presidency that is continuing on right now in the conflict with Russia. And uh, the people have had it. And I don't even care if they're paid Republican actors. It's These people need to be taken to task, you know, not since George W. Bush have we seen Republicans go out there and try to just destroy the world for money and oil. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was the same people that implemented the Patriot Act that the Democrats have weaponized and, and completely gone off the rails with. But uh, it seems like there's a lot more sensible candidates who have really grown. Joe Kent's another one. You know, I, I joked about him, joked about it with him off camera today. Like, we were Joe Kent's first interview when he announced his candidacy and someone who had come from the military, uh, from the CIA, who experienced massive loss, like, you know, within like a year and a half of him announcing his candidacy to run for this House seat. Um, he was extremely stiff and robotic the first time he came on the show. And uh, we've become like text friends. And we talk frequently. And, you know, we just connect. He's a real person, but he's grown into like presentation wise, delivery wise, it's like home runs now. Oh yeah. You know, and it's good to see all these candidates. It's it's not easy to, you know, put yourself out there in that way. Yes. Life, you know, becomes under scrutiny and gosh, you know, I mean, just the attacks from the other side, but then you've got people, you know, that are really paying attention now on our side, you know, and they're going to ask the tough questions and you're going to really have to prove yourself. And I mean, like I said, it's not easy, but he's been doing great. No, he has been doing great. And, uh, you know, it's really pleasant to see all these candidates that still to this day, like at the end of an election cycle, if you're going to toe the line, places like Fox News, they're going to have these candidates on every night. You don't think Paul Ryan and Laura Ingram and all those other morons over there, Brett Baer, cringe that Carrie Lake is literally on every fucking show and Mm. for like five minutes and she's that she's broad, she's diverse She's well-versed in all the stuff that's going on. And uh, they must, like, punch themselves in the face and, and projectile vomit as soon as they get off camera with these people. I mean, we've said it over and over again. Literally three months ago, Laura Ingram ran a five-minute segment with Carrie Lake's primary challenger, called her a former Obama door knocker, and dunked on her for an entire five-minute segment. <laughs> and she has tur- Carrie Lake has, has turned out to be the national candidate for this entire election cycle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I was texting with her the other day and, and just like 
it, it's it's a joke. Like she knows it's a joke, but she's giving her the platform to, you know, one point five to three million people every night. A lot more people are tuning in now. Definitely. Yeah, now we got to see all these people. You know, Laura Ingram's having her like end of the election season town hall, and she's gonna have all the cool Senate and governor candidates on there, like Boomer Sweats did a couple weeks ago. And uh, you know, I'm glad they're giving them all that platform, but just. All these candidates know where they got their start. All these candidates are very appreciative of places like us. Uh, obviously, places like War Room. Pasobics come along and, and towed the line magnificently down the stretch. And regardless of how dry sex commentary Charlie Kirk is, he gets all the people on his show <laughs> and gets it out there for a big platform. You know, everybody's done their due diligence in this election cycle, I think, probably more coordinated than ever before. And how everybody works well behind the scenes and we all talk with each other, you know. Vish Burr was on War Room the other day, and I just screen captured my TV, and I texted to him. I was like, look at this handsome motherfucker on TV right now. He's like, oh, did you like it? I was like, fucking loved it. He was talking about, you know, he had some people in, that were on the ground in Brazil sending him, like, the live feeds, and he was cranking them out all over his social media. Is like the day it started. And uh, Vish Burr went and wrote a, a great op-ed, and uh, in, uh, it's at, it came out through the National Pulse. And it's good to see, you know, even people like Raheem. You know, I, I want to see Raheem weigh in a little bit more on U.S. elections, but... Uh, He's helping the people who have large voices amplify it. And it's just really great. Like, we're not going to go and say that we didn't do the work on November 9th. So at, at the end of the day, it's up to the candidates. Finish strong. And, uh, you know, we're going to get two more, our last two America First interviews in here. And then we're going to come back in and uh, get the back end of election roundup going. So let's hit it. Joining us next on the show today, he's the Trump-endorsed America First Republican House nominee for uh, Arizona 4. Joining us again on the show, Mr. Kelly Cooper, thanks for coming back on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. How's the day going? Well, busy. We've got, I believe, uh, six Trump-endorsed America First candidates rolling through today. Um, We're very thankful to have you join the uh, candidate train that's going through. As we know, everybody's schedule is absolutely bananas. But uh, we got to continue to get the word out and and, and speak on these uh, these these uh, races that you guys are running. You're running a pretty amazing one in Arizona for right now. What's it looking like on the ground out there? Well, on the ground, it's looking great. Uh, we're in toss up, but I'm feeling like we're ahead by a couple of points. The only challenge is making sure there's no apathy. You know, in the old version, they were used to losing by 20, and in the new version, they were used to winning by 10. So some of the Republicans out there feel like the race is in the bag either way. And uh, we, need to, we need everybody to know that if you show up, we win, and if you don't, we won't. And that, that's, the, that's one of the big components right here. Talk about your House seat in the last election and uh, how the dynamic has changed to now uh, with your candidacy, and obviously you winning the Republican nomination there. Yeah, that's a great question. So what used to be known as Arizona's Congressional District 9 included uh, Phoenix, Iwatuki, Tempe, a little bit of Chandler, a little bit of Scottsdale. And it the, the current member won by 22 points both times in the last two cycles. Now, with the redraw, it is Iwatuki, Tempe, Chandler, and Mesa. And Mesa is pretty strong Republican. So is Iwatuki uh, and Chandler. Uh, Tempe tends to be a little little bit more Democrat, uh, but the makeup went from what was a plus 22 seat to an evenly registered district. So the votes are there to win. The, The wave on the ground, the excitement on the ground is there to win. 
Uh, I just want to make sure that everybody knows, yeah, red wave, yeah, red tsunami, but it only happens if we show up. No, we're not popping bottles until well into the early morning hours of, of November 9th. This time it's not going to be like elections passed or we think just because you ran a good campaign and ran a good message, which has been one of the strongest points of your the entirety of your campaign cycle means nothing unless we do the work on November 8th. And, and based off of, you know, the last elections, Arizona is going to show out as they did in the Republican primary, but we need to keep that momentum going because it seems like the Democrats in all facets right now are on their heels. It's all of their messaging has failed. You had the president of the United States go out there the other night didn't talk about one kitchen table item. He talked about all of the candidates that are running against this ticket. It just seemed like the end of a regime that's about to lose power and be issued an enormous referendum next week. Yeah. Well, I, you know, all you hear from the left right now, uh, and including my opponent is mudslinging. You know, on the right, we want to sling solutions, and that's what you hear. But my opponent wants you to talk, wants to talk about how I'm too extreme, or I'm a mega maga, or I'm dangerous for Arizona. When the facts are, uh, you've been in this position for four years. You voted for everything that Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi have proposed. You signed on and are responsible for the failed economy we're experiencing today, and it's time for a change. Yes, it certainly is. And uh, I think when you look at the entirety of the powerhouse ticket that's going on in Arizona right now, House candidates like yourself and Eli Crane, obviously you got the mm -hmm. Attorney General and Secretary of State's candidates with Mark Fincham and Abe Hamaday. Of course, probably the crown jewel of this entire election cycle, Carrie Lake, and then one of the uh, new budding superstars in the Republican Party running for the Senate, Blake Masters. You guys have all worked so amazingly together and just seen this whole progression to where now you are a complete and total cohesive driving force and it looks like the people in Arizona just based off of some of the events that we've seen you guys at over the last couple weeks just packed houses almost like nowhere else in the country yeah it's it's amazing the energy in the rooms I was in a room last night standing room only it was almost so packed that the media was getting pushed out the back door because there wasn't room for them and it that excitement is is why we have such a positive outlook you know, we can do polling, and I think the polling puts us at uh, toss-up. I think I've seen that in several polls. But the energy, man, the energy is so exciting. You can feel it. You can see it. Uh, it it's, it's there. People are ready for it. And, you know, what I say almost every day on the trail, and I, want, I don't want to get off this, this interview without expressing it, if you go to his, my, my opponent's campaign re-election site, and I'm not encouraging everybody to go check him out because it's counterproductive, but it literally says on there, that his singular focus in Congress is to make your life better and the results speak for themselves. To this day, it's still up there. <laughs> and so my call to the constituents is basically, is your life better than it was two and four years ago? And, and if he really believes that this is making people's lives better, he is so completely out of touch that it's time for him to step down from the race because I'm not sure that he knows even where he's at at this point. No, I mean, you make a lot of sense there, Kelly. You've done so much already before you even started this campaign. I mean, you're, you're a veteran who served this country proudly. You're a small business owner who has given back to the community even more when you came back and became a private citizen. And now you've rolled that into an amazing house race that we've tracked. We've had the amazing opportunity to track you from the beginning. We were one of your first interviews. We've had you on several times. We hope that we've contributed to some of the success you've had. But when it comes down to it, man, you just ran the campaign that you needed to run. You bring 
plausible solutions to the real issues that are affecting not just the hardworking blue collar middle class, but everybody. Everybody's got kids. Everybody has jobs. Everybody fills up their cars. Everybody's worried about crime and fentanyl and being able to walk down the street and not have, you know, be assaulted by homeless people. Everybody's worried about the steady decline of our education system. And you always brought answers, comprehensive answers. You really want to, you know, be involved in geopolitics based off of your military background. And you're probably one of the most complete candidates running this entire election cycle, and it's been an absolute pleasure to track you, and, and we wish you the absolute best heading down the stretch here. What does the weekend look like for you? <laughs> uh, well, this is my second event today. I was at a breakfast for veterans this morning. I've got, I'm sitting in the parking lot for my next TV interview. I've got two or three more door knocking tonight, door knocking tomorrow morning, three or four events tomorrow. Uh, I think I've got a, an event. Uh, a rally on Sunday and some more door knocking and then church with my family Sunday morning. Uh, and Monday's the same thing. It's a uh, full court, full court press, making sure that we're out there talking to the voters. And that's the, that's really the difference is that we're out talking to people and my opponent's hiding in his house. He, at the event that I was at this morning for veterans, he had his community outreach people there with his table, but there was no sign of Greg Stanton. Mm. It tells you, while he's attacking me, saying that I'm anti-veteran as a Marine, uh, I'm at the veterans' event, and Greg Stanton's at home in his, in his warm, cozy bed. Yeah, it sounds like, uh, listen, you've done the work, man. And then, like I said, I have no doubt in my mind that you're just going to crush it this weekend and, and enjoy some big successes at the ballot box come Tuesday. Kelly, what's your social medias and your uh, campaign website? We're going to live link them in the show today. Anyone else that wants to get involved late, whether it's door, na- door knocking or getting uh, out to your events this weekend, or if they're out of state, maybe making telephone calls and monetary donations, we want to make sure we uh, get as much help to you as we can down the home stretch. Yeah, that's great. So uh, door knocking and volunteering and, and phone calls and all those things are amazing. You can get there from kellycooperarizona.com, all spelled out. Uh, at kellycooperaz is most of the social links, but you can also find them from the website. And then contributions. It, contributing to this cause, to this movement, will make a difference. And it helps us get our last-minute messaging up there over the weekend so that we can make sure that the voters know what we stand for, not what Greg Stanton wants to paint us as. Uh, absolute fighter right now, and uh, you're not taking your foot off the gas coming down to the wire here. We look forward to circling back with you in between Election Day and Inauguration Day, and like I said, we wish you the best of luck and health this weekend. This is the America First Trump-endorsed Arizona 4 Republican nominee, Mr. Kelly Cooper. Thank you for coming back on Steak for Breakfast. Yeah, thank you so much. Semper Fi. God bless. Joining us next on the show today, he's the Trump-endorsed America First Republican nominee running in California's third U.S. House District. He's back on the show with a campaign update. Mr. Kevin Kiley, thanks for coming back on. Oh, great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Well, it's been uh, one hell of a cycle here, down to the wire in California. A lot of good outlooks for uh, the state here, and uh, you guys have really been hitting it. I saw some some highlights for your from your debate with uh, the Democrat nominee there, and uh, why don't you give us a campaign update, and then we'll jump into a few of the issues. Sure. Well, we're just, uh, you know, getting out the vote now for the final few days to get across the finish line. I think things are looking really good. I'm excited about what's going to happen next Tuesday. I'm excited about uh, the opportunity to move our country in a completely different direction. Uh, But my race is expected to be close, so we're not taking anything for granted. We're trying to get out and fight for every vote uh, that we can here to, uh, to get across the finish line and have a great night next Tuesday. Now, Kevin, for a lot of our listening audience who might not pay attention to to politics in California just because of how blue it usually is, 
you know, someone who lives here, we operate out of San Diego, and uh, no one knows more than we do, and we've talked about it in extent on this show. Over the course of the last few years, even before you, you started your House uh, representative campaign here, no one pushed back on, on one of the what the Democrats call a premier governor in Gavin Newsom harder on everything, not just the stuff during the pandemic, but just the awful legislation that he's dumped on this state, his bad appointees, et cetera, than you have. How have you been able to parlay that into your house run and how has that resonated with the people in California three? Well, it's resonating very strongly because people see what Gavin Newsom's uh, far left radical policies uh, have done to our state. They've made it into the most popular state in the country to leave. Uh, And uh, we can see here in California uh, very clearly uh, that Joe Biden is following the same political playbook. In fact, Gavin Newsom says all the time that California is a model for the nation. So I think that we have, uh, you know, a sense of what is at stake uh, based upon our own experience that, uh, you know, we have this uh, fork in the road right now uh, as a country, whether we're going to continue down the failed path of California and have the same thing that's happened to our state now happen to our country, or are we going to move in a different direction? Are we going to return to the founding principles that have made America the greatest country uh, in the world? And so I think that, uh, you know, that message has has uh, certainly uh, resonated with people across uh, the entire district. And, uh, you know, given that this is a change election, it's going to be a change election nationwide. Nowhere is that change needed more badly than here in California. So in that sense, we can really be the tip of the spear. And which I think uh, was on highlighted display during the course of your uh, debate with your Democrat counterpart. I mean, You want to talk about someone who looks like just a rubber stamp yes man for the Democrat Party who wants to continue down the path of absolute destruction from the economy, inflation, the border, crime, COVID mandates, geopolitics, uh, energy, non-independence, you name it. And and your opponent is is ready to go in there and just, you know, kiss Nancy Pelosi's butt and, and sign every piece of legislation she sends up to Joe Biden's desk. That could not have gone over well for him in the debates. And you did bring some receipts. Well, that's right. And that was his whole campaign. I mean, that's the the premise of his campaign, as he said from day one, uh, that his goal is we need to keep uh, the Democrats in power so that Pelosi can be speaker and we can make even more changes, make uh, even more uh, radical policy changes, spend even more money, uh, have even more of an open border, have even higher inflation, have even higher crime. Like this was explicitly the premise of his campaign is we need to go further down the road that we're on right now. And so that's the case I made to voters is, look, you couldn't have a clearer choice. He wants to keep this train wreck uh, in motion. Uh, I want to put on the brakes and get us moving in a different direction. I think one of the biggest X factors throughout the course of your campaign has been the uh, dynamic of how the children have been infused of it. Um, You know, whether it's illegal immigrant children who are coming into the United States and being injected into the classrooms, which lowered test scores throughout the state. Combine that with all the COVID stuff. You know, California was one of the most severe lockdown and homeschoolings. It, it, there isn't a kid that wasn't affected by it as far as test scores and just progressive educational, you know, uh, development goes. Uh, you have the COVID stuff with, uh, you know, trying to get vaccine mandates and and taking away medical freedoms for people with, uh, you know, in school. And then you have the whole trans agenda, which is like, uh, are we going to promote it in school? Are we going to hide it from the parents, et cetera? When you talk about the way the entire country is on fire, you talk about the kitchen table issues in an election cycle like this, where the country's at right now, stuff like that shouldn't even be considered. I don't know what the Democrats thought they were going to do to champion on this stuff, but that has seemed to surely backfire on them. And you've been one of the biggest, you know, uh, at the forefront of the entire country of leading this movement to protect the children from top to bottom. 
Well, yes, this is a huge motivating factor on top of everything else, I think, for uh, for parents uh, across the country and especially in California, where you're right, we had the most uh, severe uh, lockdowns, we had the longest school closures, we had the most onerous mandates when it came to masks, when it came to vaccines, we've had the most uh, sweeping assault uh, on parental rights uh, anywhere in the country. And what you're seeing is parents are stepping up and fighting back. I've actually endorsed over 200 candidates for school board across California, uh, many of whom uh, have been the parent leaders showing up at school board meetings and holding uh, corrupt officials accountable. And so uh, I think that, you know, one of the big stories we're going to have coming out uh, of the elections on Tuesday is not only a shift in the entire balance of power uh, nationwide, but you're going to have uh, pro-parent, pro-student school board members uh, who take over school boards across California, some of the biggest ones, I think you're going to see major changes, and they're going to put parents back in the driver's seat. And I think that is going to allow us to chart an entirely new course when it comes to education in our state. Well, that makes total sense there. It's like we, we really have to take care of these kids. You know, the, the whole thing with the education was it, it's just derailed them in a lot of cases. You know, I have small school age children, 9 and 11 years old. They're right in that age range of lowest test scores of uh, the national average down, you know, a 40-year low after the pandemic. And I see the paperwork come home, and it's like all of these tests that they're supposed to be taking did not record uh, 2021, does not count, or and a lot of need to improve. But it seems like everybody's just asking for a mulligan when it's kind of self-inflicted wounds. And it's really good to see you, you know, fighting for all these parents to get on these school board meetings and uh, or at these school board meetings to jump on and, and get this place back on the right track. Because I, I tell you what, if there was one self-inflicted wound that they could have uh, – not predicted it was going after the kids and man it's brought so many people to the table uh that may have not voted republicans you even have like hillary clinton and and the girls on the view just melting down about republican women coming back for this midterm election cycle where you don't see huge turnouts and a lot of it has to do with the stuff going on with the children Mm -hmm. That's right. Absolutely. It is a a huge motivator because, you know, it was one of the worst, perhaps the worst, uh, you know, set of policies ever inflicted uh, on uh, on our state and uh, certainly in other states, uh, at least in modern times where you had for absolutely no good reason at all. Kids kept out of school for well over a year. uh, And then when they came back to school, sort of, uh, you know, an entire uh, uh, program uh, seemingly designed to make them miserable when it came to mass, when it came to restrictions on their activity when it came to discriminating, segregating students based on vaccination status. Uh, It was really a horrifying experience uh, that uh, many, many people uh, were put through. And I think there's going to be consequences for that at the ballot box for the people who were responsible. And there's going to be consequences up on Capitol Hill next year. Uh, You could just hear some of the sitting senators, Senator Cruz, Senator Paul, and a lot of people in the House, Jim Jordan, especially Matt Gaetz, and, and, and so on and so forth. Kevin, what's the next couple of days look for you as we get ready to head to the ballot box next Tuesday? I'm sure you're going to have a busy weekend coming up here. Well, yes, we're just getting out the vote right now, making sure that uh, our uh, supporters, making sure that Republicans uh, show up and vote, get their ballots in. That is so, so important. You know, the Democrats are clinging uh, to hope that, you know, Republican voters won't come out in full force and that will allow them to hang on to power. Uh, so we need to make sure that that doesn't happen, that folks get your ballots in, that you do however you're uh, comfortable doing that. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm very hopeful. I'm seeing enthusiasm wherever I go. Uh, and I think it's going to be a great night. But we got to keep our our foot on the accelerator right up to the last moment. 
all gas heading into Election Day. Kevin, you've been a hell of a fighter as a California legislator. We're looking forward to you up on Capitol Hill next year. If you want to give us your campaign website, your social medias, anybody that wants to get in last minute, whether it's door knocking, if you're out of state, monetary donations, making phone calls, any way we could help, we're going to direct them in our show description today, and we'll get as much traffic as we can going your way. Awesome. Thanks so much. It's just electkevinkiley.com, K-I-L-E-Y, electkevinkiley.com. And we'll be looking to circle back with you in between Election Day and Inauguration Day. And we wish you the best of luck and health down the stretch here on the campaign trail. Kevin, you keep uh, fighting for us, and we're looking forward to seeing a big victory on Tuesday. All right. Thanks so much. This is the America First Republican nominee, California 3, Mr. Kevin Kiley. Thanks for coming back on Steak for Breakfast. You have to ask yourself, Brandon Staters, are you better off? Today, than you were two years ago. Two years ago, you were not making choices between heating and eating. I was not holding moms and dads' hands who were in tears. I was not holding retirees' hands who didn't know how they were going to pay their next bills. People that could live comfortably paycheck to paycheck now can't live comfortably. This is a sad situation we are in, and it is due to the policies of Joe Biden with the 100% support of Maggie Hassan. Yep. I am a political outsider. I will go to Washington, D.C. to serve you. I will go to Washington, D.C. to represent you. I will not go to Washington, D.C. to represent special interest lobbyists and wealthy political elite. I will not do that. I will be your senator. I will be your senator and I will work for you and I will be accountable, responsible, transparent, and truthful. God bless you. God bless America and live free or die. So you can't not really appreciate the fact of some of these candidates that have like come in late and just absolutely shined down the stretch here. Yeah. Uh, Don Boldock was another one. The general had him on the show a couple times. Uh, one time was the interview was completely laced with his service dog that he brought back from Afghanistan that, you know, he takes everywhere just barking up a storm you know, protecting uh, Fort Bulldog up there in New Hampshire. And uh, i tell you what, when you have senators like Rand Paul and, and Rick Scott and Ted Cruz saying, like, I could see I could see a pathway to 55. It's because of people like Don Bulldog, uh, Leora Levy in Connecticut, Smiley out in Washington, um, the ones who have just ran races bigger than their particular election cycle, you know, and uh, – the future looks bright. His messaging has been rock solid since day one, and he has stuck to the issues. And, you know, Maggie Hassan has just been an absolute fucking disaster. She's like another one of those Murkowskis. It's just like an absolute waste of a seat. Uh, yeah. They do nothing. They have no policy. When they sit on committees, they'll, like, lob a softball up after a Republican absolutely slams somebody. You know, Maggie Hassan is the douchebag that comes in after Rand Paul destroys Dr. Fauci for fucking 10 minutes straight with receipts. And then he gets, you know, buzzed out and then she'll come in as um, Dr. Fauci. First of all, we wanted to thank you for your service to this country and um, the work that you did during the global pandemic, which we are still in. It's like, <laughs> that's what you get when you have senators like Maggie Hassan, senators mm -hmm. like Lisa Murkowski and all of the other crappy incumbents in there. You know, they're the opposite of the Tim Ryans who wants to be like the new hybrid Schumer Pelosi moving forward. He talks about needing new leadership in the party because he wants to get elected again and destroy them all. And then he wants to become worse than they've ever have been. And uh, thank God that they're both 
you know, Pelosi and Schumer are so fucking old, or they, or they would really have more of a mandate, and they probably would have crushed this country a lot worse. You know, they need to take extended breaks and go on vacations and be out of the camera for a while because of their advanced age. Them, the Nadlers, you know, that whole lot of them. That's why all the people who were involved in the original Russiagate scandal are running around fucking Washington, D.C., running the show right now. You know, all the people who were senior staffers and junior staffers in the Barack Obama administration are making the decisions that are impacting our everyday lives. You you really don't think that Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are really making any decisions, just like Joe Biden isn't. Janet fucking Yellen isn't. It's all of their staffers and all the people who worked in the, you know, Obama administration. It certainly is. Cash Patel has produced receipts. Devin Nunes produced receipts. Matt Whitaker's weighed in on it. You know, Merrick Garland's a fucking piece of shit, but I don't think he's making all of these top-level decisions. It's all the friggin' communists that work under him at the Justice Department. And uh, everyone that just circumvents the Constitution and their oath of office every single day when they go up to the seventh floor of the FBI. And, uh, you know, it's it's the investigations that, that are going to happen next year that are going to lead to a lot better understanding of everything that's been going on. Someone who has understood it throughout the course of the election cycle and gave his last-minute pitch in a campaign video that I've pulled is our favorite, recently finished Oztober. Dr. Oz gave that last-minute messaging in a campaign video, and we're going to hear it right now uh, as part of our midterm election roundup. I've got one question to challenge you with. Are you unhappy with where America's headed? I am. And if you are as well, that I'm the candidate for change. I'm a surgeon. I'm not a politician. We take big problems, we focus on them, and we fix them. We do it by uniting, by coming together, not dividing. And by doing that, we can get ahead. I'm a living embodiment of the American dream. I believe we're the land of opportunity, the land of plenty. I believe we can balance a budget without recklessly spending. I believe we can have have an unleashed energy policy that helps us all. I believe that we can have safe city streets and a secure border so legal immigrants can come across. Most of all, I believe in you. If we can do this together, and we can, I would ask for your vote on election day. God bless you. Very wholesome. Love it. Yeah. It's just uh, where we're at right now. And and a lot of it is, um, you know, sticking to those issues, talking about past experiences, knowing the defining line where your values, let's just say in the terms of abortion and things like that, where your values are, but how you would govern as a senator or governor, or vote in the House. It's 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 a big receipt to put out there. You know, you could say you're unwaveringly pro-life, but if they're going to have a federal mandate that's drafted in the House and passed up through the Senate and is overwhelming supported, overwhelmingly supported by the majority, then you'd be on board with that because that's what the people who elected you are asking for. It's big diff- It's just it's things we don't typically hear from politicians. J.D. Vance, Blake Masters, Dr. Oz, Don Bulldog, they've all clearly defined lines like that when it comes to abortion. And uh, I think we need more of it. Blake Masters sat down on one of the local talk shows in Arizona, and uh, he was hitting inflation and talking about how, uh, you know, Joe Biden, Mark Kelly, and all their friends up in the Senate have, you know, basically done this by passing the America Last legislation Let's hear Blake weighing in, heading into the uh, final weekend. 
inflation because everybody is feeling the effects of this right now. The Federal Reserve, we just saw yesterday, they brought up the interest rate again. We are all hurting, every single one of us. Gas prices are up, especially here in Arizona. I was at the grocery store yesterday. A bag of chips, $6. Ooh. Eggs are skyrocketing as well. So how do you plan to fix that? You got to reverse the crazy Biden policies that made it happen. Policies that Mark Kelly has voted for in lockstep in the U.S. Senate. The Democrats did two really, really dumb things. First, they surrendered our energy independence. Gas was $1.87 three years ago under President Trump. They took gas from $2 to $6. Now they want a prize because it's back down to $5 here in Maricopa County, mainly because Biden is selling out oil from our strategic reserve. But they destroyed our energy independence. That made gas expensive. When energy gets expensive, everything gets expensive. Then they printed $6 trillion in the last 20 months. Maybe Mark Kelly doesn't understand how that causes inflation. My eight-year-old understands it perfectly well. When the government just prints trillions of dollars, it devalues our currency. It makes every dollar in your wallet worth less, sends prices to the moon. We've got <laughs> where Mark Kelly supposedly went. <laughs> I love when he dunks on him with the astronaut comments. Let's send him back to space. He's got a really good one on his campaign. It's like kind of a space invaders-ish. It's like if you want to see Mar- Mark Kelly ruin everything he touches, press start. And uh, No, but Blake Masters is right. I'll give you an example. I mean, gas, California is always like getting rammed in the ass with gas. It's six and change here. Uh, and it's gone between six and change and right under eight and change over the course of the last two years. It's awful. I mean, at least during the Trump presidencies, like you could find a gas station inland and away from the freeways that was like in the high threes, low fours. That's a win. Um, I went to the grocery store this morning after work. Uh, my daughter has, it's her, you know, she plays club soccer and it's snack week. So of course they don't have half the shit that she wants. So instead of getting like the regular box of like the chips you put in your lunch, I had to buy like the big box, 25 bucks. Then she wanted cookies. So I got like the variety pack of like two cookies in a pack, Mm -hmm. 12 bucks. Wow. Then she wanted candy. My daughter was like, she likes Kit Kats, Kit Kats. She likes Reese's. So they had a big family size bag, like the jumbo bag of like little Reese's peanut butter cups and one Kit Kat in a wrapper. You got like 150 pieces, $17. And uh, then then I got the 18 variety pack of Gatorade Zero because they're all bougie on our soccer team. They like the Gatorade Zero. So and, and that was it was like 15 bucks. And I was just like, or maybe even more. Long story short, I got that and a couple extra groceries for the house, like a case of water. Um, maybe two deli items like lunch meat and a pack of cheese. My, my cart was virtually empty. I, oh, I got a box of cake for the, you know, just for the kitchen to have out in case anybody comes by and then, you know, you want to give them cake and coffee. Right. $112. I had like literally 15 things in my cart. I know it's insane. Same for us. I, I, I think I said on this last one, but the one before that, our show, like I'm paying it someplace is $7 a gallon. Well, like not even for a full gallon of like grass fed top, you know, quality whole milk because my son, that's all he drinks. Yeah. Kind of picky, but that's a lot. It's unbelievable, really. I don't know how people, it's kind of sickening to be fair. Yeah. And, and and it's just like, you know, just a week worth of groceries in my house is over 300 bucks. Oh yeah. Easily. We had not gone to the grocery store like two weeks ago. Like we had food in the fridge we had food in the freezer and we just kind of like made it work we got takeout like once or twice because it was just a busy week the kids had so much stuff going on it was like halloween week 
Yeah. And uh, my son had like trunk or treat one night after practice. My daughter had something one night after practice and it was like Halloween night. So we were just kind of like, you know, running around and uh, we just missed a week at the grocery store. Never doing that again. <laughs> so, know, right? well, then the paper products add up. You got paper plates, napkins, paper towels, toilet paper, a mm. couple household items and then regular groceries. $480 for one week worth of shit. Yeah, easily for us to, and we're not like a big family, you know, we have a three-year-old, but we do like, we like to have good food and we, you know, we spend money to get good food and it's just, I don't, it's impossible. Like even like, we never really used to look at prices, but now we're looking at our receipts because we were blessed, you know, to have, we are blessed to have that, you know, opportunity, but yes, it's just, now I'm looking at the receipt, I'm like, shit, since when did it? whoa like it's adding up it's crazy yeah and not even like 60 bucks doesn't even fill up half my tank in my suv no no costs like 70 dollars to fill up a prius i mean that's just ridiculous it used to cost i could fill up my prius for 30 dollars under donald trump i'm at 27 29 bucks i'd be full and good to go for an entire week and uh but you know they're just hiding from the issues much like katie hobbs i have no idea why she would go back on CNN after her atrocious, uh, you know, dueling town halls with Carrie Lake a few weeks ago where they went on different half hours from each other. And all they kind of did instead of talking to the issues with Katie Hobbs was be like, why don't you want to come on when Carrie Lake is here? You know, we just asked her all the hard questions. She answered them. Um, yeah. You know, we'll turn off her mic. Like, she won't be able to talk over you. Like, just <laughs> do it. Well, she jumped on the Don Lamon wake up with fake news and uh, let's hear them just fucking shit on her for two minutes straight is, you know, has issues in the spreading conspiracy theories uh, about a stolen election and so on. And it's not being truthful with the the people of Arizona. Why then not get on the debate stage and, and debate her? You know, not only is Carrie Lake, has she centered her entire platform around this election denialism? Um, I didn't want to give her a bigger stage to do that. But additionally, she has shown that she's not interested in having any kind of substantive conversation. Um, She's only interested in creating a spectacle. And I didn't want to be in the same space with her. Wouldn't you be wouldn't it be easier to knock it down in front of everyone in front of the most people? Because you're not stopping her from spreading whatever you believe that she is spreading by not debating her she can go on television she can talk about it she can go in front of the the people of arizona every single day and talk about it but you're not confronting her on it it seems like it would be an easy fix if you stood up on a debate stage and and confronted her about these issues damn look we're six days out from the election and our campaign strategy is our campaign strategy so we're moving forward i'm continuing to make my case to the voters of arizona uh whether or not uh, we debated in this race is not going to decide this election. So, oh. um, you know, I just, we made a decision, didn't want to be a part of her spectacle. And she's not, uh, she, she won't answer these tough questions um, to, to real reporters. She only talks but, to fake But Secretary, it's not just her that you won't debate. You also did not debate your Democratic primary opponent, Marco Lopez. Why? And have you Damn. ever, I, have you I ever? I was miles ahead of him. I was miles ahead of him in the race and one handily. It's a totally different situation here. Well, it's it's not debating your opponent again. Have you ever debated your opponent running for political yes, office? Damn. Yes, I have. Why do you think it wasn't important for people to see a debate 
in this election for governor at all? Uh, in the primary, I was focused on the general election. I was oh. miles ahead of my op opponent. I won handily. Um, it wasn't an issue. Um, we're six days from the election, and uh, this is this is the decision we made. So, mm. got to have more than one set of notes when you go on a show for that long of a segment. Yeesh. They were dunking on her. Oh yeah, there was like Donald Mon was holding her arms behind her back, and the other two girls were just <laughs> punching her in the stomach, trying to make her answer questions. <laughs> for sure. She, oh, she's the absolute worst. I mean, she, she's like Fetterman level crap mm -hmm. candidate. And uh, any of the fake news polls that even says that race is within five to seven points, it's shame on you. And I hope you get tar and feathered after the elections because that's just blatant irresponsibility and, uh, well, even more garbage. I don't know if you saw, Antoinette, uh, Killery's still making the rounds. Ooh. Yeah, she was talking shit about Carrie Lake the other day. Was she? Carrie yeah. Lake fired back, but let's hear Kill Dog jump on with uh, our favorite resident racist, Joy Reid. So I want to take this a step further away from the incident, that terrible incident with Paul Pelosi oh. and broaden it out. Because what we have with the rhetoric coming from uh, the Republican uh, candidates from their party right now is so disturbing. Oh. I didn't see a big outpouring on the part of elected officials uh, to stand with Nancy Pelosi the way she has stood with Republicans as well as Democrats in times of real terror, like on January the 6th. Oh, and so ask yourselves, please, why would you entrust power to people who are either themselves unable to see how terrible it is that someone would be attacked in their home or don't really care because they think it will somehow get them votes that will get them elected. This is a real threat to the heart of our democracy. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I No, wow. So Ugh. just over the course of the last 24 hours, a lot of misleading information that was given out at the beginning of that whole Paul Pelosi sex of Palooza incident. Yeah are starting to be getting a little bit more defined and just on face value starting to look more like it was sex Palooza and a lot less like a home invasion. I don't, wait, really? Yeah. yeah. It wasn't a home invasion. You're saying it was not a home invasion. No, of course not. I mean, and, uh, I, I saw, I saw one of the commentators yesterday, like, Paul Pelosi can't be gay because Nancy Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi embodies sexiness. Oh, my God. I heard that yesterday. No. <laughs> Made my stomach hurt. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. This guy does not believe that himself. Unbelievable. These people are hilarious. It's now, just, for a lot, of, a lot of people who don't think that Carrie Lake has embodied President Trump in some of her campaign rhetoric and is running a governor campaign at a presidential level, she jumped on Fox News yesterday and issued a Trump-like response to that Hillary Clinton soundbite, which she would continue to go on and mention Carrie Lake by name. Let's hear what Carrie Lake had to say about that. But I was a little concerned today, I'm going to be honest, when I saw Hillary Clinton bad-mouthing me. <laughs> and she, lo she looked angry and actually scared and, and uh, 
just uh, completely unrelated, I want you to know, just in case you're wondering, I'm in perfect health, my brakes on my car are in good shape, and I'm not suicidal. And we're going to win this thing on Tuesday. <laughs> Gotta fucking love her. She actually added Hillary Clinton on all the posts on all social medias uh, to that video clip. Did she? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this has been an absolute treat watching her campaign, and to, I can't wait to see her flourish as the governor there and just grow into a national-level candidate for Oh, yeah. Regardless of what she wants to do following uh, her term there. We're going to stay right in this thread and uh, bouncing on to some of the national level issues. Believe it or not, there are some shit going on, like the end of campaign Democrat messaging. Thanks to uh, people like Joe Biden. Just when you thought the pedo Hitler speech that he gave not too long ago was uh, a real friggin' barn burner. He went out and did pedo Hitler volume two. Um, without mentioning literally any of the issues that affecting the country in any way, shape, or form. He just wanted to friggin' continue to trash MAGA Republicans. Jesse Waters led in with that yesterday, and I wanted to play a clip from it. Let's hear it. Doesn't have COVID to run on. Guy's got nothing. In two years, he crashed the economy, blew up the border, and triggered a crime wave. So his closing message last night was that if you vote Republican, they'll ban voting. Extreme MAGA Republicans aim to question not only the legitimacy of past elections, but elections being held now and into the future. Oh. The extreme MAGA element of the Republican Party, which is a minority of that party, as I said earlier, oh. but is this driving force, is trying to succeed where they failed in 2020, oh. to suppress the right of voters and subvert the electoral system itself. That means denying your right to vote oh. and deciding whether your vote even counts. Oh. So Joe Biden thought this speech was going to rally the base. And he was right. It rallied the Republican base. <laughs> and the media knows this. And they know Biden shot an air ball last night. So they're warning that a red wave means blood on the streets. I think we're in a cold civil war in this country. And they also seem to like violence more. Um, so, you know, for the people who uh, on the left who are <laughs> egging on a civil war, I would say don't. Um, they have more guns and then how to use them. Six nights from now, we could all be discussing violence all over this country. There are signs that that may happen. Oh. We could be six days away from losing our rule of law. There might be, you know, serious violence if this red wave that is being sort of, you know, sort of almost promised by some in the media doesn't happen. Is the White House prepared for that? Oh, and Republicans are going to line up your kids and execute them. What was at stake tonight and this week was the fact whether we will be a democracy in the future, whether our children will be arrested and oh. conceivably killed. Oh. We're on the edge of a brutal authoritarian system. Oh. I know the Democrats lost the Civil War, so they're dying to fight another one. But guys, we don't want any trouble. We just want cheap gas. Now, CNN is trying to stage an intervention. His message on the democracy is on the brink uh, is not what's top of mind with voters. Voters are concerned with money in the bank, not democracy on the brink. So he would have been better served to focus on economic issues as well as the inflation. For Joe, it's either affordable groceries or freedom and democracy. You can't have both. And if you even think about voting for the GOP, you're voting for violence. The extreme MAGA element of the Republican Party, they've emboldened violence and intimidation of voters oh. and election officials. Oh. 
It's estimated that there are more than 300 election deniers on the ballot all across America oh. this year. We can't ignore the impact this is having on our country. Oh. It's damaging, it's corrosive, and it's destructive. Oh. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but didn't a man in North Dakota murder a teenager because he was a Republican extremist? Yes. Days after Biden said extremist Republicans were a threat to democracy? Didn't a radical Democrat fly across the country armed to the teeth to assassinate Kavanaugh after the Democrats savagely attacked him and leaked the Roe decision? Biden never went on camera and condemned any of that. And now the Democrats' midterm messages, Paul Pelosi got hammered, vote Democrat. <laughs> I cannot believe that they actually let him. Like, it, it was just like, we, we have nothing. Right. If the Republicans win, this country is going to, like, just cease to exist. What are they? I don't think they, like, they clearly are, are, they have nothing else. The detachment level. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, you literally have every conservative news outlet saying, like, you stayed away from the kitchen table items the entire election cycle. You never talked Mm -hmm. about inflation. You don't care about gas prices. You ignore the crisis on the border. You say the crime in the major cities is fucking fake. You're starting nuclear war with Russia or at least intimidating into it. Meanwhile, Iran is chest puffing out there. North Korea has been firing off dozens of rockets for like the last six or seven days straight. Every morning when I wake up or I get off work, I see North Korea fires 20 rockets over over Japan into the sea. North Korea fires 12 more rockets over South Korea, sets off their air raid alarms. I'm like, nobody even cares about that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And now we're catering to places like Venezuela and all the cartels in Latin America with this border crisis. And, you know, Joe Biden wants to go out there and say, like, MAGA Republicans don't want democracy. If they fucking win, we're all going to die. And that's pretty much like no one believes that. Like even Bill Maher is like, no, why would you say something like that? And, you know, it's just I cannot believe the detachment level. Maybe we the the wed wave needs to really just usher out what has accidentally been ushered in because this failed experiment will be one that's documented for at least 100 years to come. Oh, yeah. Like you'll be able to reference from the start of the pandemic and how they did that purposely to sabotage the back end of Donald Trump's presidency through the 2022 midterm elections as one of the most pivotal moments in American history where we literally almost lost this country. Because if you are going to have Joe Biden go out there and speak that garbage rhetoric, of course you're going to have all the minions doing it, championing the same exact things. My favorite, most likely to be impeached after the midterm elections candidate, Alejandro Mayorkas, went on to the, uh, sat down with MSNBC and did an uh, interview with them and, and, and talked about all of this stuff going on with the friggin' elections. And you have to hear this. So what Russia, China, and Iran are doing right now in terms of disinformation, misinformation, what are they doing to try to impact how Americans think and vote? Oh. So Russia, Iran, China, these are three countries that engage in disinformation to try to sow discord in the American public. Regrettably, Pierre, uh, the divisiveness that now grips this country is something that our adverse, uh, our, uh, adverse nation states seek to exploit. Oh. And they do that uh, on online platform. And so do you really feel like Iran, China, and Russia have had any influence over this election? No. 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 
Do you really think that places like Iran, Russia, and China want America First candidates in there that are going to do nothing but help and support Donald Trump's second, third presidential campaign? (laughs) No. Do you think China wants to buy rice from the United States again? Fuck no. Or Russia doesn't want to be able to sell us their crap oil and natural gas anymore because we're refining it in our own country eventually? And then when you talk about Iran... That Iran deal, whatever they're doing, that backdoor bullshit, you know, trying to get that thing across the board and use it as a W as part of the Joe Biden legacy, that thing's getting ripped up on day one if they ever, like, reproduce another version of it again. Oh, yeah, of course. It's just, that's where we're at, though. I mean, we're, we're literally at there. The Republicans are going to destroy this country on starting on November 9th, and they're going to do it with the help of Russia, China, and Iran. It's just absolutely, like, they are beyond embarrassing from their non-campaigns, less debates, abysmal turnouts. I can't wait for the Pittsburgh, or, yeah, the Pittsburgh rally this weekend with Donald Trump when he goes up to Pennsylvania. You know, him is going to be going at exactly the same time as Barack Obama, Kamala Harris, and Joe Biden are all going to be in the same location for Shapiro and Fetterman. Mm-hmm. They, they, I can't wait to see what those crowds really look like. Insane. Speaking of the most divisive president in the history of the United States, he was out in the campaign trail in between getting heckled. He was talking shit about MAGA Republicans. Let's hear him. Democrats, let me tell you, are not perfect. I'm the first one to admit it. Because I wasn't perfect. Politicians, just like all of us, make mistakes. Oh. <laughs> but right now, with a few notable exceptions, who deserve credit, most Republican politicians... They're not even pretending that the rules apply to them. Oh my God. They seem to be willing to just make stuff up. I, I don't even know what that means. No. I, I wish he would go on and like actually talk about what is the talking point of that? Right. Like, what does it mean? You know, what rules are we not adhering to and what are we just making up? I mean, if they want to keep talking about the election denial stuff, we've literally gotten past the point like, to physically watch it on an everyday basis, there's no chance. I would literally play Russian roulette with no empty chambers and, and swear on my existence that Joe Biden did not get 81 million votes in a legitimate election. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, that's, that's just it. Didn't happen. Uh-huh. So, and, uh, you know, just where we're at right now, it's become so comical to see. This is like, Literally what a dying regime looks like. And uh, I tell you what, I have to say it again. Carrie Lake jumped on with Benny Johnson today and gave a little commentary on Barack Obama doing this campaign trail. She lit him up. To Barack Obama standing on stage with a convicted racist of which some of your tax dollars went to pay for her racism. Uh, what would be your retort if, if you were in an elevator, let's say, and Obama walked in and you got a chance to tell him what you thought? What would you say? Oh, boy, I'd have so many things to say to him. Um, but, oh, I, I, I think I would tell him that. It verifies I was so disappointed in him when he didn't work to bring us together. He had a real opportunity as a president. And I'm just disappointed as an American being the first black president. He didn't do more to bring us together. He actually divided us even further. And then it doesn't really surprise me. 
that he would come to town and stump for a racist after that, after the way he led. Uh, I'm just disappointed with him. He's old news, and I don't think that he is drawing the crowds he used to draw. I think a lot of people who voted for him woke up to the fact that he's really a fraud. And I don't care what he says about Katie Hobbs. We know he's just in it to protect his legacy, which is pretty despicable. I mean, remember the Fast and Furious case that really went down here in Arizona, Mm -hmm. resulting in the death of two Border Patrol agents. You know, his his legacy is not good. And he's trying to have a little bit more influence. And I think he knows he's losing his influence. We draw bigger crowds than what he drew last night. Damn. (laughs) What can Wednesday. you what can you say? I mean, she's not wrong. No, not at all. So she's taken the two biggest. I mean, it's so easy to dunk on Joe Biden. She just steps over his corpse. But you've taken the two other most polarizing political pla- uh, candidates and, and icons on, on the radical left, Hillary Clinton and uh, Barack Obama, and literally have won the dunk contest on both of them going on cable news networks and just hammering it home. And, uh, you know, it's it, it's amazing to see. Uh, you know, the pushback because in so many times you'd have these cookie cutter middle to older age white men in some shitty suit who would just talk about lowering your taxes and finding comprehensive immigration reform. And now we have Carrie Lake saying like, I'm not feeling suicidal when Hillary Clinton talks shit about me. I didn't kill myself. <laughs> it's the best. And which is the opposite of the worst because Joe Biden's chief of staff, Ron Klain, came out and wanted to uh, stand on the front lawn of the White House and double down on Joe Biden's pedo Hitler volume two speech saying like the president basically gave that as a uh, final warning. The president decided a few days ago that it was important to uh, uh, issue one final warning on this issue to make very clear, to leave no doubt uh, that we have people out there still peddling the big lie. People uh, uh, now raising the issue of election denial in this election. Uh, And, of course, uh, the horrible incident uh, uh, involving Speaker Pelosi and her family, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, showing the rising threat of political violence. Why do they keep circling back to that? Imagine imagine being so Like, you have to talk about it for, what, is it like 10 days now that not enough Republicans running in races or elected Republican officials came out and said they feel bad for Nancy Pelosi? Yeah. Did anybody say they felt bad for Roger Stone when they kicked his fucking door in or arrested Peter Navarro at the fucking airport? You know, or raided the president of the United States fucking house like a year and a half after he got you know, out of office 90 days before a midterm election to try and flip and gain political capital. They don't give a fuck. They, they don't did. care. Uh-huh. Where were all the elected officials that wanted to do, uh, how many people jumped out there and said, oh my God, Lee Zeldin got attacked with a fucking box cutter on stage at a campaign event. I don't remember any Democrats coming out. What about when his daughters were essentially involved in a fucking drive-by shooting where two men who got shot we're returning fire to a vehicle that was in front of their house. Mm-hmm. I, that was just recently. I don't remember Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton or KJP or Joe Biden or Nancy Pelosi coming out and saying, oh, we, we're really glad everybody's okay. Stuff like that shouldn't happen to, well, not only elected officials, but anybody. They don't care. Nope. They, like, if they wish we're all fucking dead and gone a long time ago. I mean, they're, they're putting in the work right now uh, that they wish they didn't have to put in. And, uh, you know, just the double standard and the absolute projection, it's embarrassed, embarrassing. Um, and, and you know what? We've got a couple clips left here. 
one of our favorite senatorial candidates, looking really strong on the poll. Steak for breakfast enjoyer. Herschel Walker weighed in on Pedo Hitler, Volume 2. Let's hear a former Georgia Bulldog give some commentary on it. How'd that speech go down in the state of Georgia? Well, that speech didn't go down that well at all because <laughs> the biggest threat to the to the democracy is Joe Biden being in the White House. Mm. The biggest threat in the democracy is with Senator Warnock and Joe Biden with this high inflation. And that's the threat to democracy right there. The biggest threat to democracy is the crime that they've let come on the streets. And all this has happened in less than two years that they've been in been in, in at the White House. And I think that is sad. I think it's a shame. That's one reason I decided to run, because it's time for a change. It doesn't seem that they care about this country. They care about this state. They care about the people at all. And they're making excuses, trying to scare everybody. Well, it's not going to happen on my watch. I'm going to fight. I'm going to let the people know the truth. And the truth is we can get lower taxes. We can secure this border. We can get back to being energy independent. But what we got to do is quit listening to people like Joe Biden and Senator Warnock. It's literally what I just said, but he said it funnier. Yeah. I like it. And uh, I love Herschel Walker. I can't wait for him to be a senator. I'm so glad that uh, he wasn't courted to be a you know politician before this, even though they tried so hard. Yeah. And uh, it's I just. what he does, for sure. I, I tell you what, if there's one thing at the end of the day he's definitely going to do, he's going to call people out on their shit. Um, especially if they're not working on behalf of the American people. I just think that. Uh, we're in a situation, you know, he ran on a, I'm an honest, not going to be a politician, politician. And, uh, you know, he, he's brought receipts and receipts to the table on Raphael Warnock and, uh, kept it pretty much clean. You know, he, he brought up the eviction stuff, but you know, all the domestic documented domestic violence, uh, he, you know, he's touched on, but never got into detail how he's a Christian pastor, but he's anti-white Christian black pastor. Like that makes no fucking sense. But, you know, he said, hey, Raphael Warnock's given sermons where he said white people don't deserve salvation. So that doesn't sound very Christian of him. But we have reached the conclusion here. And in our last audio clip of the week, let's just hear Tucker Carlson. I mean, everybody's dunked on Joe Biden throughout the course of this entire segment right now. But we needed to hammer it home. And uh, listen, who can forget Ashley Biden? The conventional view among people who follow politics is that the Democratic Party is about to suffer a humiliating repudiation in next week's midterm elections. It seems very likely as of now that Democrats will lose both houses of Congress. And that's just the beginning of their pain. Polls suggest that even places that supported Joe Biden by a wide margin in 2020 are about to swing dramatically against him and his party. A week from today, New York, of all places, could have a Republican governor. The last time there was an election in New York, Biden won the state by 23 points. What we're seeing is what political scientists refer to as a realignment. And there's no mystery as to why it's happening. Democrats failed conclusively. No group in American history has done a worse job running this country than the neoliberals currently in charge. They're vicious, they're intolerant, and they are utterly corrupt. But above all, they are incompetent. In less than two years, it is not an overstatement to say they have run this country into the ground, wrecking our economy, desecrating our military, and opening the borders of the United States to more than five million lawbreakers. Mm. The destruction they have wrought is so profound, it's hard to describe. So of course there will be consequences for that. In a country with democratic elections, how could this party stay in power? Honestly, we don't know. But maybe Joe Biden does. 
Tonight, Biden traveled across the city of Washington to Union Station. Built by Teddy Roosevelt more than 100 years ago, Union Station was for generations one of the most beautiful public buildings in this country. Under Joe Biden, it has become a homeless encampment, a place that is too filthy and too dangerous for Starbucks. Standing at this monument to his own failures, Biden proceeded to do what he now so commonly does, bark at the rest of us for our moral failures. The guy who showered with his daughter is telling you you're a bad person. Oof. Tonight's topic, democracy. Here's a taste of it. Yet now, extreme MAGA Republicans aim to question not only the legitimacy of past elections, oh. but elections being held now and into the future. Oh. The extreme MAGA element of the Republican Party, which is a minority of that party, as I said earlier, but is this driving force, is trying to succeed where they failed in 2020, oh. to suppress the right of voters and subvert the electoral system itself. Well, that's very weird if you think <laughs> about it. So here we are less than a week before the Democratic Party is expected to suffer overwhelming losses in the midterm elections. And here you have the leader of that party, Joe Biden, commanding you not to complain about the election results. Why is that? Well, let's see. Here's Joe Biden telling you that thanks to the changes, the many changes Democrats have made to our system of voting, all of which make voter fraud easier to commit, we may not know the results of the elections for a few days. But don't be alarmed. Everything is completely on the level. And whatever you do, do not ask questions or else you're a criminal. Watch. We want Americans to vote. Oh. We want every American's voice to be heard. Now we have to move the process forward. Oh. We know that more and more ballots are cast in early voting or by mail in America. And we know that many states don't start counting those ballots till after the polls close on November 8th. Oh. That means in some cases, we won't know the winner of the election for a few days until a few days after the election. It takes time to count all legitimate ballots in a legal and orderly manner. Oh my God. It's always been important for citizens in democracy to be informed and engaged. Now it's important for citizens to be patient as well. Oh. That's how it's supposed to work. No, it's not. Nope. What is this? What is going on here? We're a week from the election, six days. Biden could have given, would under normal circumstances have given, a speech about his policies and how they've made your life better. He tried to convince you this country is actually in better shape than it looks, and he did that. He could, in other words, have made a pitch for your vote based on what he has done. That's what politicians do in functioning democracies. They try to convince you to support them on the basis of what they have done for you. That is democracy. That's not at all what Joe Biden just did. Instead, Biden commanded you to accept the election results whenever they arrive, no matter what they may be. Tucker Carlson's come full circle. What do you think, Antoinette? No, I totally agree. He's been killing it on fire, calling it like it is. He's he was part more. he was part of that huddling that happened with President Trump. We mm -hmm. all remember the iconic picture of them this year laughing together. Yeah. At the Mar-a-Lago golf course um, mm -hmm. during the live event. And, uh, you know, for, for someone who was out in front after 2020, not really with it, has at least opened his eyes to some of the really nefarious things that happened in this country over the course of the last five years. Um, yeah. What they've done to people, political persecutions, 
Um, you know, he's been strong on January 6th. And if you look at the people that Tucker Carlson consistently has on his show, it is the most, the the, the shiniest of, of the, the Trump jewel set that's running in this election. You know, a lot of Joe Kent and Blake Masters and Carrie Lake and Doug Mastriano, Dr. Oz. He doesn't go for the softball candidates. Uh, J.D. Vance had a really good segment with him the other day. Um, and and it's, it's just great to see him come back around and uh, just be carrying this party line. He is the counter narrative to some bullshit speech that Joe Biden gave. And uh, I don't know. I think, good golly, oh, my, what a long ass show. <laughs> and Antoinette, I'm so thankful that you uh, did the entire thing with me today because, uh, you know, with Noah being out of the office, I was uh, a little fearful. You're talking yourself. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be arguing with my reflection in the Constitution sitting across the desk from me and on Noah's side. And, uh, you know, when you hear all these amazing sounds oh! and uh, bells and whistles that are going on, plus the half of a fillion edits I'm leaving for Noah. Um, We'll just say we got it out of our system ahead of our big show, which will be the next time we we appear will be live on Tuesday night, November 8th, election night. And we're going to continue to uh, have a ton of great material for you. Like I said, we're going to have an interview with J.R. Majewski, probably a couple other candidates. Joe Kent said he'd be in today when I talked to him off camera. I talked to Mike Collins as well. We'll see what John Gibbs is up to. And, uh, you know, everybody that's going to be on the ground, Erica Knight will be at uh, Lake and Blake headquarters on election night. Who knows where Cash Patel is probably going to be, probably in the great state of Nevada with the Lexall campaign. We'll be getting a live update from him. Mike Crispy and Anna Perez of LFA are going to be jumping in with us live. And uh, we're going to just be looking to do our best show ever and on probably in one of the most important nights in, uh, you know, Republican politics in a long time, probably since, what, 2016 Election Day? Looking forward to it and uh, looking forward to being back with you guys on Tuesday night. Likewise. I just want to go home. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Steak for Breakfast podcast and want to hear the other 183 editions of the show, you can find us across every downloadable podcasting platform. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podata, Google Podcast, FM Player, iHeartRadio, Patriot Podcast Network on the Roku app, or even on Frank's Speech. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show credits go to all our amazing guests today. We had an assload of them. Trump-endorsed America First candidates, Jim Bognett, Pennsylvania 8, Joe Kent, Washington 3, Corey Mills, Florida 7, Kevin Kiley, California 3, Kelly Cooper, Arizona 4, and of course, Miss Sandy Smith running in North Carolina 1. In addition to them, some of our internet friends. Patriotic Babe Accounts, I think it's Mega Garbaggio now, Connet Twitter, Christina Bob of Save America. Friends, don't forget to go out and shower our sponsors with your hard-earned pennies because when you do that, the only thing that happens is you make small American businesses great again, namely my pillow. Get a promo code stick at checkout, you're gonna get big, big savings. Whether it's anything sleep-related or the coffee subscriptions they got going on, check out Mike Lindell and all the stuff he's got going on down at my pillow. Mypillow.com forward slash steak for anything. Sleepy related and anything coffee related, mystore.com forward slash steak. Or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1 800 658 8045. The top tier of ear gear and the best damn headphones that I've ever owned can only be found at Odyssey. Make the investment. If you're doing anything inside the studio, you want to have these headphones on your ear. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. 
My Patriot Cigar Company. The best smokes, big selection, offering subscriptions. Alan's got a lot of deals coming down the pike. Check them out. MyPatriotCigars.com. You enter promo code stake at checkout there. You're getting 15% off. All orders over 100 bucks. free shipping, $10 e-gift card with every purchase. It's a premium smoke for Freedom Oven Patriots. Man rubs. Did not have any man rubs this week, but I can assure you we will be using some on election night. You buy it, shake it, sprinkle it, rub it, throw it in the cooking apparatus of your choice. Eventually, slather it up with some barbecue sauce, throw it in a Hawaiian roll directly into your mouth. Num, num, num. Oh! Manrubs.com is the website. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram as well. Stay ready, gear holsters. If you want a picture of Joe Biden not talking about any kitchen table items, they'll throw a... That with a nice red background on a Kydex Conceal Carry holster and get those orders out faster than ever before. StayReadyGear.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms is a pretty simple equation for all your gun-related needs, firearms, parts, accessories, and ammo. His newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is WestCoastSurvivalArms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Mediocre Medic has got a pretty fine store. They've got an even finer Instagram. Check out all their first responder gear. MediocreMedic.com is the website. And last but certainly, get yourself a Zero Fucks Duck. We've got a ton of them in the studio. Everybody that's seen our social medias with our little studio review saw our patch panel with them up there. Jumpbox.us. Find them on Instagram. Find them on Facebook. Upcoming shows. We'll be back Tuesday. We're going to be live. Christina Bob, Erica Knight, Mike Crispy, Cash Patel. J.R. Majewski and Anna Perez are all confirmed for our big election show. Kicking off at 5.30 p.m. Pacific, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. We'll come right back on the 11th. True Social Country Music Superstar Alex Wilkins will be here. And we'll be sitting down with the president of the New York Young Republicans Club so far, Gavin Wax. Cash Patel, one of our great friends, J.W. Gibbons of The Daily Caller, and of course, great friend from Save America, Christina Bob will be in on the 15th. Jake Denton and Josh Hammer will be here on the 18th. And so far we got Theo Wald coming back on the 22nd. We're going to be talking about Republican mandates in Congress next year. And uh, we're cruising it up. Friends of the Week, gotta say, off top, shares everything. Never gets mentioned. Didn't think I saw you, but I did. Spoopy, you're in there. Let's talk about our true social Twitch streamers. Beastie Man 420, Siberian Kitten, Real Lazy Boss, American Nintendo, Suitcase, CSM Master, Burger Man, plus Indiana Zoomer, Jason E. Van Gundy, Thomas Bama, 13 Gen Patriot, some call me Tim79, our good friend Ghost Hammer as well. Carrie Lake's been sharing us repeatedly on Instagram. She's in uh, Friends of the Week as well. Let's talk about some of the meme team. Trey fans are memes, CP3... C3P memes. Let's go, Brenda. Grand old memes. Madam America. John Hacker LA. Right Wing Savages 2.0. Mostly peaceful memes. And the real meme DeLorean. Guys, things to remember between now and our live show on Tuesday. Number one, do your own research. Sure took a lot to have those uh, six interviews with the Trump-endorsed America First candidates today. I suggest you do it yourself. Find out what these midterm elections are all about as you're getting prepared to go out and vote. Number two, start a podcast. No, I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it, put it out there. Number three, let's start talking about American greatness again. President Trump continuously mentions that in every rally. We need to start doing it. We don't do it enough. It's time to start talking about American greatness. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. 
This has been episode 184 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. And we'll be back with episode 185 Tuesday night. Christina Bob, Erica Knight, Mike Crispy, Cash Patel, Anna Perez, J.R. Majewski, and more. On behalf of the pod team, who's not with me, so I'm going to say thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Get out and support your candidates. Donations, door knocking, get to some events. And take care. we were a great nation and we will soon be a great nation again it was hard-working patriots like you who built this country and it is hard-working patriots like you who are going to save our country we will stand up to the radical left democrats and the dangerous and unpatriotic rhinos And we will fight for America like no one has ever, ever, ever fought before. There is no mountain we cannot climb. There is no summit we cannot reach. There is no challenge we cannot meet. There is no victory we cannot have. We will not bend. We will not break. We will not yield. We will never give in. We will never give up. We will never, ever back down. As long as we are confident, united, and loyal to the cause, the tyrants we are fighting do not stand even a chance. Because we are Americans, and Americans kneel to God and to God alone. The silent majority is back and stronger than ever before. My fellow citizens, this incredible journey we are on together has only just begun, and it is time to start talking about greatness for our country again. We are one movement, one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God. So with the help of everyone here today, and citizens all across our land, such great citizens, such great people, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you and God bless America. Thank you very much. Thank you, everybody.